Join Winnipeg Sports Talk, live from the NHL Draft in Nashville, presented by CoolBet, beginning on June 26th. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. One more show here in the peg before next week. We're live all week at the NHL Draft in Nashville covering what should be a very eventful week for the Winnipeg Jets and the National Hockey League. Today, though, we will get ready for the draft. Grant McCagg from Recruits.ca, always a favorite of ours, will come on with his thoughts on the upcoming draft as well as the Dubois situation as it pertains to the Montreal Canadiens. Grant, of course, covering the Habs throughout the year as well. Uh, we'll focus in on the Winnipeg Jets, Blake Wheeler's situation, and some new news today on the Dubois drama, if you will, with Scott Billick a little later on. And I'm looking forward to welcoming back our old pal Troy Westwood to the program. And to be honest, I didn't think we'd be talking to Westy about the Bombers getting their asses handed to them at home by the British Columbia Lions. But unfortunately, that is what we will be discussing. Certainly, we'll get to Westy's thoughts on the Jets offseason as well. Going to be a great show. It is Friday. You know what that means. We will do a marble race at the end of the program. So make sure to stay tuned and join us around 2.45 when we open up registration for Today's Marble Race. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, what a scene last night at the Princess Auto tailgate zone. Awesome. The best part of the game, frankly, was the two hours at the Princess Auto tailgate party before the game. Uh, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health, F Apparel, Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, the Gold Eyes, who are home all weekend, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man Barbershop, and of course our friends at Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, and our partners at Cool Bet. We will get to the Cool Bet lines a little later on today, hitting the rest of the action in the CFL this week. But don't forget, Monday we begin shows from Nashville, WST at the NHL Draft in Nashville, presented by our friends at Cool Bet. Let's get Remus in here and get this show on the road, Remo. What the hell happened last night at IG Field? I'm still somewhat stunned. We've been spoiled by this football team for the last number of seasons. It's been a long, long time since the Bombers got whooped like that at home by the BC Lions. Uh, He's uh, speaking into the ether right now. He's as shocked from yesterday's game as everyone, and uh, apparently the uh, the mic wasn't good to go today. Uh, we'll get it on, though. Yeah. Are, are we back here? Yeah, yeah sorry. I, I, I switched computers yesterday, so I unplugged everything and had to plug it in. Anyways, no one cares. They care about the Bombers last night. Shocked. I can't believe it. Six, what, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Not only did they lose, um, they couldn't get anything going. Didn't score a touchdown. We had thought about, you know, B.C., you know, shutting out Edmonton. Well, Edmonton, they just, they're the worst team in the league. They haven't won at home in years. Uh, you know, that makes sense that they'd get shut out. Uh, the Bombers not being able to even get into the end zone. Extremely disappointing. Uh, Claire's under pressure all night. And, you know, they had chances. Like, it was a close game, but they just could never get into a rhythm. Dalton Schoen had this monster game uh, last week and, you know, wasn't with two catches yesterday. One thing that stuck out to me is, 
he'd throw the ball to these receivers and they were getting just blown up uh, repeatedly. Uh, this hard-hitting BC defense, you know, getting to the quarterback, uh, laying, you know, bombs on receivers. And then on defense, you know, anytime there was uh, like a two and out, um, Vern Adams seemed to find a way to make a big play. He said, you know, try to force him to turn the ball over. That didn't really happen. So uh, it was just um, a shocker. I think a, bom- a lot of Bombers fans left stunned. Like you couldn't believe what you were watching. I referenced, yeah. uh, I referenced, you know, old quarterbacks like Drew Willie last week. I mean, was <laughs> are we sure that was Zach Claris in there yesterday? What, what happened? Hey, um, listen, I said to people heading out of the stadium last night um, and after the game that I wasn't going to come on and completely overreact today on the program. We have been spoiled. The Bombers have set the bar so bloody high over the last number of years. Think about this. That is their first home loss to a Western Division team since 2018. Five years. So, yes, it's surprising. It's shocking. It was going to happen at some point. But it was the way that it happened, I think, that really sort of rattled a lot of people. Um, That BC... Hey, Les Thompson. Enjoy Nashville. Thanks for the super chat, uh, super chat, Les. Always appreciate the support. The way that they lost that game, I mean, on both sides of the football, was just not something that Bomber fans are used to seeing. Um, You would hope, and I'm interested to get Westy's perspective on this when he joins us. You would hope that this is something that can actually be good for a team. You know, early in the season, you get humbled. Um, you know, you realize that there's still, I mean, and I'm not suggesting the team was cocky or overconfident or anything like that. But you know what? When you have the amount of sustained success that the Bombers have had, you know, maybe sometimes a little bit of a reality check can be a positive thing. The one thing that I know for a fact is that Mike O'Shea and this team are not going to be having very fun go through the tape over the course of the next few days. And you would hope that it will make his team much more hungry and focused when it comes to next week's game and uh, the remainder of the regular season. But as much as the Bombers didn't play very well, Remo, credit where credit is due. The BC Lions looked amazing last night, especially on the defensive side of the football. And, you know, maybe we didn't give them enough credit for their start to the season, the way they handled Calgary in week one and the way they shut out Edmonton. I mean, I was guilty of it. I'm like, yeah, well, Edmonton's terrible. Taylor Cornelius is doing nothing right now. Well, let's see what happens when they come to Winnipeg. Well, they came to Winnipeg and gave up six points and won by 24. And then on the offensive side of the football, Vernon Adams Jr. looked like the defending two-time MOP. And I'm not going to really put this on Zach Caleros because he was on his ass half the game. I mean, they won that game on the line of scrimmage, especially the defensive side of the football for the BC Lions. The Bomber offensive line had a rough game, is going to need to step up. Um, as they say, no overreactions. This is still a really good football team. They'll see BC later on this season. Um, but certainly some lessons uh, should be learned from uh, a night that didn't go the way anybody thought that would when they got to the park last night. Yeah, I'm not going to overreact about it. I think it's certainly interesting and, you know, compounded with the, what, them giving up 400 yards. Uh, to Trevor Harris last week. Maybe you have some concern about the defense, but, I mean, this team's been a model of consistency for years. You know, maybe you want to blame, like, the short week playing in Regina 
uh, Regina on Friday and then here on Thursday. I mean, their schedule last year, we talked about how it was a meat grinder and it never, it never affected and They just won, won, won. So, I mean, it was, it's just shocking just how much they got manhandled uh, by BC. Uh, you know, I'm looking, looking at the stats on the CFL website. This is another story. According to the, the website, you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to talk about the game and, like, the number of sacks they got in Zach Caleros. I believe it was seven. The website says seven. But the website also says the game is live right now with 10-21 left in the fourth quarter, and the score is 23-6. to six. So I'm not sure what to believe, what to believe here. And we're going to get, I want to, you know, we can talk about that later, later on. But um, again, uh, it, was, it was shocking that they were not able to score a touchdown, uh, how much Zach Kalotos was was sacked. I know PFF, Pro Football Focus, is doing stuff for CFL. No, the, he, their O-line was the best rated last year. Maybe that speaks more to how poor Saskatchewan is. But again, I mean, the regular receivers, you know, Agudosi had the had the long bomb. That was the biggest play of the game, 47-yard catch. But really, you know, wasn't much else there. They just couldn't get into a rhythm. And BC, you know, got him, would, just kept tackling him and uh, put a lot of pressure on Clarice. He couldn't get it done. Can we talk about this stat situation? Yeah, I, we can't talk about this game anymore. They, like... Uh, <laughs> they sucked. Like it was bad. No, we'll talk about it. Westy's going to come on. Yeah. Bill Wick will have his takes. I mean, listen, they got whooped. I mean, there, there's not much more to it. We haven't seen that in a long time. I mean, I'm not saying they're getting a mulligan, but I am saying that we've been so spoiled by the the, the level of consistent excellence this team has had. Sooner or later, they were going to lose a game. They lost it. They lost it in spectacular fashion last night, and uh, it's still just one in the loss column. I don't think anyone expected that they were going to go 18 and 0. That being said, full respect to the BC Lions and we will uh I can't wait to see these teams play again later on this season. However, this stat situation and Randy Ambrosi was in Winnipeg yesterday and talked about this and I I, I mean listen, I I am not as down on Ambrosi as a lot of other people are. But I will say this, his uh answering questions about that situation or lack thereof right now in the CFL was uh, was basically, for those of you that remember the Iraq War, this was Baghdad Bob-esque. He, uh, he said with a straight face that everything's good, that, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but they're getting it. I mean, we're three weeks into the season. And as I said, I wanted to check today. Like, this is a, about an hour ago. Okay, let's go to CFL.ca. Let's pull up the stats. I click on yesterday's game. And, and and if you did not know, you would pull in and go, oh, this game is being played right now. Uh, about half an hour ago, they were in the third quarter. Right now, we're seeing live 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I have no idea why this is happening. Maybe they're working something through, watching the game and putting them in afterwards. But in 2023, especially when this partnership with this genius company, this ironically named company Genius, um, was supposed to revolutionize so many things, to be into week three of the season, I'm a huge proponent of the Canadian Football League. I defend it all around. This is just absolutely embarrassing, Remus. And I cannot believe we are where we are right now. There's a lot of other things we should be talking about. Um, but the fact that they haven't been able to figure this out and get it together into the third week of the season is, uh, it, it does not say good things about who's running it. And certainly this new partner that was hailed as such a game changer, I don't a game changer in yeah. the wrong way. 
I don't care about any off or on field stories. If you don't have the stats and the records of it, uh, to me, that's the biggest story in the league right now. Like, I don't care about BC's resurgence or quarterback changes around the league. You don't have any of the stats. People are trying to look up the games either on their own website or on TSN or whatever app, the score app, anything, and you don't have any numbers. And for him, you know, you go, look, I'm trying to, like, come up with, like, player props and stuff. Um, for him to or you click up, I look, come up with player props, Huss, and you can't even see players' game logs on the website. Not for this year, not for any other year. You know, I'm trying to look up stats for the game last night. Again, it says that it's going on. For Randy Ambrosi to come out yesterday, and this is the tweet from Justin Dunk, to say, this is not a failure. <laughs> Like it, it's insulting. It's insulting to everyone. It's demeaning to all of our intelligence. And he went on to say it's not a failure because it's going to be better in the future. I don't care what it's going to be in the future. Like maybe it will be better, but right now, in the middle of the season or the start week three, no one knows anything about any of these about any of these stats. And that is on the commissioner. You should, if he would have come out and said us, you know, we screwed up, we made a mistake. Um, we thought it was going to be ready. It's not ready. Be patient. Maybe take some ownership of this at all and say, we're taking this very seriously. This is a colossal error. But he didn't do that at all. He, he said, like, there's nothing to see here. And it's just, like, like take, some, take some leadership. Come on. Yeah. Um, anyways, I mean, as I say, I'm just thinking back to the old days of the minister of the Iraqi military saying that they had everything under control as the American tanks were literally on the screen driving behind him. That 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 is where we are at right now with it, this. So, I mean, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, just that they need to figure this out. Well, and uh, I yeah. mean, they've already for, lost a lot of confidence in a lot of people, a lot of places. And for a place that was supposed to be kind of positioning themselves as a league that would get people gambling, playing fantasy, all those things. I mean, you need this. So it, that, that it is what it is. Uh, and it better get fixed soon because this is a really embarrassing for the Canadian football league. Let's leave it yeah, at that. Yeah. We don't need to go on and on, but like it's, I agree. It's embarrassing. It's terrible. But for him to come out and say, it's not a failure and not take any ownership or any responsibility. Um, very disappointing to all fans who are wondering what's going on, and you're getting screenshots of blank. It's of, not anything new either. I mean, they've had it forever. I mean, how they turn this thing over and it's not ready. Anyways, we're belaboring this point. We could, and you I could, could talk, I know, I could do a talk about this show. for an hour. So uh, we're going to need to, this is like the playing the music when the guy's uh, Oscar speech goes on too long and we have to move on. We will talk more about the Bombers in that game last night coming up to Westie in a few minutes. Um, NHL news. Um, obviously, we're all, uh, you know, uh, anxiously awaiting uh, news from uh, many of the insiders as to uh, what's happening. A big news yesterday out of Calgary with Tyler Toffoli not signing and apparently being available on the trade market. We've heard the rumors about Elias Lindholm. So, Calgary, welcome to, welcome to where Winnipeg's at right now. But... Elliot did have a uh, Elliot Friedman did have a bit of an update on the Dubois situation this morning on Thirty Two Thoughts, and I will paraphrase what he had to say. Essentially, the Dubois camp, according to Elliot, narrowing down that list of five to six teams to two to three teams. 
um, because the Winnipeg Jets need to get this done this week, and they do expect that there will be some conclusion to this early next week. I don't imagine it's going to take place over the course of the weekend. We could be wrong, but uh, it could be as early as Monday, maybe Tuesday, or as late as heading into the draft room um, that this is going to be settled, at least for Dubois. Uh, I'm sure the Winnipeg Jets would like clarity and uh, some finality to the Dubois situation because, as we said before, that is only one of a number of... uh, Hot issues for the Winnipeg Jets as far as players and player movement. Connor Hellebuck, Mark Scheifele, and of course, resolution to Blake Wheeler, I think, is quite clearly coming in the next week or so. Um, And it basically comes down to this. If they have the ability to trade him and only eat 50% of the contract, I think they will do that. Otherwise, it's going to be a buyout in five and a half million. And some people would say, um, well, you know, just do the trade. The problem is the trade as we've seen, even at 50% retention might cost you an asset or two to make that deal done. And I don't think that's what the Winnipeg Jets want to do. So if they can't make the deal with the 50%, I think they end up buying about the deadline for that is the, is the, the 30th, but back to Dubois, Remo, um, things are moving right now. Uh, but as we've heard from Elliot, I mean, that list going from five to six, I'm not sure whether that's more serious suitors that are considering a sign and trade like the Brisson camp wants. Um, all we know is that we are inching closer, but maybe not as quickly as a lot of people would like. That's okay. We can drag this out, Hus. Uh, I'm, not, I'm in no rush. I think the, dead, the deadline, what, you know, before July 1, you'd like to have this done, and uh, they're working it out on, on Dubois, and I'm curious to see uh, what happens. You know, we're having Grant McCagon, who's in Montreal later in the show, and, you know, I... It's been hard to figure out how he fits in with Montreal. I mean, he's a bit ahead of their, you know, rebuild timeline. Um, you know, he wants more salary than they're. I think they're willing to give because Nick Suzuki has kind of set the bar there. Like, do they really want to bring bring him in? So um, I'm curious how that works out. You know, one thing we have to talk about is you know the Jets returns. Like, if you maybe you don't want to pay the Jets prices, are you going to go and pay? For some of these Calgary guys, because it sounds like Calgary's in a bit of a similar similar situation now. Uh, Frank Cervelli and Elliot reporting, but you know Elias Lindholm's not going to resign. Uh, Noah Hannafin uh, has said he's not going to resign. He want, wants to play in the U.S. And Michael Backlund also, uh, Frank Cervelli saying, looking unlikely to resign. So if you you know miss out on some of these Jets guys, are you going to go for some of the Calgary guys? And I don't know if that's. That's great if there's more options for teams looking to add. Well, I'll say one thing. It's not great, and it's a really sad state of affairs for the National Hockey League in Canada right now. I mean, I think it's pretty simple, and I'm sure different players have their different reasons. But overall, it's not just here in Winnipeg. NHL players are, when given their options, are choosing American teams to play for. And it's certainly making the jobs, which were already challenging for guys like Craig Conroy and Kevin Sheveldayoff, uh, even more so now as they try to maintain their own players. And really, the only way that I think Canadian teams are going to be able to consistently keep their players is if they're knocking on the door of, uh, of true contention for the Stanley Cup. I mean, I think that was a big part of why the Winnipeg Jets had so much success you know, sort of, you know, three, four, five years ago 
signing players to extensions because it looked like the team was right there and had a legitimate chance to to win. I mean, Blake Wheeler said it himself. I believe the quote was, there's no way I would have re-signed here if I didn't think that we were right there with the chance to win. Um, so th- that's another entire side story. I mean, part of the economics of, uh, of the game. And, you know, especially when you have a number of American players like a Connor Hellebuck, um, finally, he's getting an opportunity to get closer to unrestricted free agency. Doesn't sound like Winnipeg is in his plans, and I wouldn't be surprised. Put it this way, I'd be shocked if he ended up with another Canadian team whenever he ends up getting moves and moved and signs another contract. Yeah, I just wanted to weigh in on that Blake Wheeler comment from the end of the season. I think you and Ken were saying yesterday, like how, and he took it as a dig, saying, oh, he would never sign in Winnipeg. I just took it as as he really wanted to win, and he thought that, you know, they had a chance here to win, so he signed here. I didn't take any offense. Well, he literally to, said he would have never re-signed here if he didn't think that they had the chance to win, and that was yeah. why he did. Yeah, because he wants to win. And Is Connor Hellbuck not saying the same thing right now without saying it by not well, re-signing? he hasn't said it. He hasn't said well, anything. Well, he said, I mean, I guess he at, said some point, at the end of the season, he, my number one priority is winning a cup. But don't you think Blake Wheeler would fall in the same category that he also really, really, really wants to win? And uh, yeah, and, and but I'll tell you what, here? I think that's a heck of a lot an easier thing to say. And I think it's more palatable to the public than saying, no, I want to get the hell out of here and I don't want to be playing for any Canadian team, never mind Winnipeg. I mean, I think that there, there's some truth on both sides. And as I say, mm-hmm. if you want to be... You, bottom line is they were they had some really good success re-signing guys when the team was really good. Yes. Now when the teams have regressed a little bit and it doesn't look as rosy into the future... We're, uh, we are where we are right now, and that's talking about half the team getting traded every day on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, that's fair. I just wanted to weigh in on that because you and Ken, I think, were taking digs at him, saying like he was taking shots. I just took it as a sign as you know, we thought they could win. He wants to play for a winner, so so he signed you. If they weren't winning, like who wants to sign with some loser team unless they're offering you uh, a ton of money, I guess. $5 million for at over eight and a half, over $8 million a year for five years that'll take you past thirty seven. It's, How about it, that? It's funny. I know I was looking at that, you know, talking about Blake, the Blake Wheeler bio, and I was looking at, like, when that contract was signed. I know he was, what, 30? So he had had, what, the 91-point season. He had back-to-back 91-point seasons, and the contract kicked in at age 33. I think you had to know there was some, and we probably talked about it at the time, that there was definitely going to hurt at the back end. But, I mean, he just had 91 back-to-back point seasons at age 31, 31 and 32, and here we are at, you know, age 36 going into yeah, age He was the captain of a team that went yeah. to the conference finals that everybody thought, you know, that next year and the year afterwards was a true window for them to win. Um, there's a lot of things outside of just Wheeler, but I think he was a central figure in everything that went bad in 2019 and continued through this time. Obviously, there was a bit of a pause during the pandemic, so um, maybe it took a little longer to get to this point, but... Here we are. I mean, by all reports, Blake Wheeler's time with the Winnipeg Jets is finished. We'll find out whether they are able to find a trade or whether it is a buyout at some point over the next week. But the real focus is on returns for Pierre-Luc Dubois, Connor Hellebuck. And as I said yesterday, there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, buzz about Mark Shifley right now. And it'll be interesting to see what that means for his situation going forward because... I mean, you can say trade a guy all you want, but if there's no takers and there's no legitimate offers, you know, it. Does, I mean, he's too good of a player to, I mean, you're not buying out Mark Shifley. You're not getting rid of him like that. So 
Um, maybe it's something that he sticks around a little bit longer uh, and is a trade chip at some point during the regular season. I, I will say this about Scheif. He is going to be motivated. He has to be motivated to have a great season coming up this year uh, because this is the contract year, the one that he's been waiting for for eight seasons. And um, I think he's got a little bit of uh, reputation, rehabilitation to make happen, considering the way things have gone the last couple of years and certainly the way things went with Rick Bonus. And if he is back here, those two are going to need to find a way to work together for both the benefit of the team and Mark, even if the only thing he's concerned about is his next deal and where he ends up getting dealt to at some point over the course of the season. Um, Westy's going to join us in just a couple minutes. One other thing, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, Reem, but uh, I, I, I was just absolutely stunned by that news yesterday reported by, the, uh, by Elliot and the rest of the insiders that the NHL is doing away with all of the warm-up jerseys for next year. <laughs> and, I mean, as I said yesterday on Twitter, I think this is like an all-time chicken shit decision. Um, you, know, listen, you know, because now, I mean, the Pride Nights have been going on for a long time. And now all of a sudden it's this crazy topic with people on the extreme right and people on the extreme left and all, of, you know, the majority of people just sitting in the middle listening to people yell at each other. I mean, it's become so cantankerous that they're doing away with Hockey Fights Cancer jerseys. Like, think of it here in Winnipeg. I mean, those, the Indigenous Night jerseys are amazing what they did for the Filipino cultural night this year, the South Asian, those were all great hockey fights, cancer military night. I, I mean, listen, if you really, if the pride night is that big of a deal, make a decision on that, stand by it, say why it and make your bed and lie in it. Um, but I, I, I was absolutely taken aback that their solution for all of this is to just completely end all of the warm-up jerseys, the great things that those do, the money that they raise for charities. Uh, I hate to say it, a backwards decision um, if we've ever seen one, but not the first one we've seen from the National Hockey League. Um, all right, let's. Uh, hopefully we'll have Westy come in in just a minute. Let me give a big shout-out to our friends over at Modern Man Barbershop. Eight locations now in Winnipeg uh, on either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Uh, they've got it all. Haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Pop by and see them this weekend or book your look via modernmanbarber.com or follow them on Instagram at modernmanbarbershops. Uh, hey, folks, uh, it's a hot summer coming up. You probably already thought about this, but why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with AquaTech as well. With thousands of renos as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Uh, AquaTech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. All right, well, listen, the ba boat battery blowout sale is in the rearview mirror at uh, Manitoba Battery. But as summer is here right now and families spend time making the most of our very short but precious Manitoba summer, Manitoba Battery wants you to know that they've got you covered with the best prices on batteries for literally anything you need to make your summer that much better. And because of how precious that time is with the family, not only are you going to get the best price, are you going to be shopping local, 
but it doesn't get any more convenient than free delivery anywhere in the city of Winnipeg, and that is what Manitoba Battery provides. So whether you need something for a boat, a skidoo, a tractor, a lawnmower, a car, you name it, they've got it for you. ManitobaBattery.com is where you'll find everything they have. And again, with any purchase over 60 bucks, Manitoba Battery is delivering it to you for free. And you simply can't beat that. They're at 1026 Logan Avenue and online at ManitobaBattery.com. And just before we bring in our pal Troy Westwood, of course, a big shout out to our friends at Canadian Club. I hope everyone that won those Jim Beam social passes last night at least had fun at the Rum Hut because the game itself uh, left a little bit to be desired. Uh, that being said, you can't go wrong with the Canadian Club and Ginger Ale. Pick it up at IG Field, your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, or available in beer vendors as well. Now available in 473 milliliter cans. And of course, Canadian Club Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, Billick later on will also head east and uh, get ready for the draft with Grant McCagg. But right now, let's welcome back our main man. It's been a minute. Troy Westwood on WST. Westy, how are you? Good, brother. How you doing? Well, listen, I'm still pretty rattled and shocked about what we saw last night at IG Field. Like I said at the start of the show, we have been spoiled. I mean, more than at any point oh, yeah. in my lifetime, this team has set the bar so high and been so consistently good that even a loss would have been surprising. But, Troy, it was the way they got manhandled by that BC team that I think was a complete reality check for the fans and I imagine the, the team themselves. Shocking, for sure. But for Pete's sake, it's it's kind of cool to me, Hus, to be able to, okay, the boys suffer a loss. And you know what, man? It doesn't matter how solid or good of a team that you got. You're going to lose every once in a while, right? And when you get a team as solid as as the Bombers have been, that stat that they hadn't lost to a Western team since, what was it, like? 2018. Eight, that just doesn't even make sense. Like, that's <laughs> like, pardon me, right? When those sorts of things come out to remind us how remarkable things have been. But, I, you know, every once in a while, you're just going to collectively sort of lay an egg. And I, I think uh, sort of a combination of the Bombers being a little bit flattened off, and then maybe these BC Lions are pretty dang Solid, too. I, I don't think Vernon Adams, regardless of how you know, solid he looked yesterday, is going to put a bunch of fear in anybody's hearts yet. But that BC defense, I think you got to take a step back and kind of, you know, maybe do one of these looking at that going. That could be problematic going forward. No, there is no doubt about it. And like I'm as guilty as anyone. I sort of glossed over a shutout in the Canadian Football League, which never happens yeah. last week, saying, well, Edmonton, Cornelius isn't very good. They just have been brutal for the last little while. I, I honestly didn't give them the respect they deserve. And to be honest, I actually think more of Calgary and their loss in week one as well after seeing what BC did. Um, but let's talk about that defense because, I mean, they, you, you've always said, Troy, I mean, you win these games on the line of scrimmage. And that, to be honest, has been the foundation of Blue Bomber football. The best offensive line, beat you in the trenches, give our quarterback an MOP time to make plays. They're going to win more often than not, which has been the case. Well, he didn't have time last night, and that offensive line was not the best unit on the field, and the BC Lions were relentless at Zach Calero. So when your quarterback's on his rear end half the time, pretty tough to win a football game. Yeah, that whole... Uh being vertical or horizontal and if your quarterback's horizontal during the course of the game that's not a good thing right 
but the number of sacks there, that was a little bit uh, shocking for sure. And that, that's what I, you know, I think when you're looking forward here and when these two teams play again, I think on August 3rd, it is. So we're going to get uh, another good, okay, well, you know, how real was this or were the boys off guard, little flat, whatever it might be. Should the BC Lions manage to replicate something somewhat similar to what they did last night again on August 3rd, then I think you can really start to maybe give some severe cause for that. But you would think that front line with how solid it's been, how proud this group is, I would think we're going to see a fantastic response on August 3rd. Well, and, and, and you know what? I, and I wanted really to get your perspective on, uh, like, let's face it, that bomber locker room after home games is a big, uh, it's like the best club in the city. I mean, uh, you know, they're turning it up, they're dancing around, having a fun time. What do you think it was like in there after the game last night? And, and, and for a team that has had so much success, how uh, how does that resonate with the team that, you know, sets the bar pretty damn high and, you know, did not achieve what they set out to do last night? Yeah, I was I was wondering about that as well, Huss, and really, like, I uh, can almost spiritually and emotionally parachute into that and, and have a pretty, I think, solid understanding. A, a guy like Mike O'Shea, you'd think, right? Like, he would address that right away. And I think a guy like Michael Shea would probably crumple that up, put it in the guard, like, just take, you just got smacked. You took a punch right in the yap, right? Okay. You know, we set that aside. And I don't know that I've ever, well, certainly I've never been a player in front of Michael Shea, but even the way he communicates to the public with this team about looking forward, right? Like, hey, we, we suffer, we don't lose, we learn. We just got it handed to us, on to next week sort of thing. And I, I think he would very quickly um, instill that in this group. And when you have such a veteran-laden, solid squad that's enjoyed the level of success, uh, they're all going to be a little bit angry and pissed, but I think that they'll be able to put this one behind them, mark August 3rd right away on the calendar, and but forward in here on the next week and get ready. You know, um, <clears throat> I uh, let's face it. I mean, the Bombers, we went into last night thinking that the Bombers were the standard. All due respect to the Argos that did beat them in the Grey Cup game and, you know, won their first game last week against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, but I really do feel like I kind of feel dumb afterwards about not giving BC a little bit more credit. And, you know, Calgary's always been good. They, they beat them in week number one. And then, as we mentioned, you know, a shutout of the uh, the Elks. I mean, you put up, I mean, they gave up six points in Winnipeg against a team that had put up 87 in the first two. I mean, a unit like that, I mean, that could be the backbone of a championship team, Troy. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a stretch to say that even with everything we've known about Winnipeg and everything they've done, BC made a huge statement that they, in fact, at least right now, coming out of week three of the CFL, they're the team to beat right now. I don't think there's any doubt after what they did last night. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man. And when you're talking, what is it, 21 points they've given, given up in the three games now? Yeah. And I guess maybe you know, they might further sort of cement that status prior to the next uh, August 3rd sort of matchup. So, yeah, they, they definitely came in, right? When you come in to the heavyweights home field and punch them in the yap and leave town with a win, that's a wake-up call for everybody involved, man. And and especially what what I what I uh, you're touching on it here a little bit. It's not like Vernon Adams threw for 400 yards or something like that, and they went nuts, right? And won uh, a banger like 45-42. It wasn't like that, 
like what you're saying there, Huss, they came in and just said not gave nothing to that vaunted offense. And that's something you can repeat over and over and over again, right? It's not Vernon Adams having the night of his life and they walk out here with win. It's about a defense coming in. And we all know defense can replicate the most often, the most consistently going forward. And if their doggone defense is that good, Huss, mother. <laughs> no doubt about it. Do, do you have concerns with the bomber defense? I mean, even in the win last week, I mean, Trevor Harris looked real good. He passed for over 400 and, I mean, they just had a tough time getting stops when they really needed it. And, you know, credit to BC and Vernon Adams for making those plays. But, I mean, we're used to the Bomber defense taking over games, uh, and that hasn't happened over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and last night specifically, some of those second down conversions, you got to be uh, concerned about that. And there's no question, I think, at this point in time, Hush, you look mostly at that secondary for me, and you're just a little bit uh, wonky and shaky and maybe not as talented as what we've seen in the last few years. Westy, uh, what do you make of the uh, off-season for the Jets right now while we're can at I, it? Bef- just since we're in hockey, oh, sure. can I just tip my cat to you for, for using one of my most favorite terms of all time? My dad used it all the time. It's kind of an old-school sort of maybe uh, rural, you know, growing up around horses and the racetrack and all that. I heard it all the time. It was just a term. But to to... to for you to call out what the NHL, the decision they made there about um, the whatever the term is for the jerseys that they're celebrating here, the, to call it a chicken shit move, tip of the cap to you, brother. Well done. Well, thanks. I mean, listen, as I say, I understand people have different views on all of this. And unfortunately, I think the loudest voices in the room are people on the real, real far extremes on both sides. And that's what's made it so polarizing. But I mean, for the answer to just cancel everything, things that have been really positive for so for hockey in general and trying to get new fans, the work they've done, the partnerships with the military, hockey fights cancer, all of these things. I mean, we all know why this is happening. If you really want to do it, make that decision, stand up and own it. But to cancel everything, I just thought was, uh, I mean, it, it's completely avoiding uh, what the elephant in the room. And if that's what you're going to do, make a decision, stand up and own it um, and 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 deal with it. But I, I think that there's going to be a lot of disappointed people uh, for many nights, things. That, and the other thing is, is that I do actually think that a lot of this is ridiculous because Pride Nights, if we want to talk about that, have been going on for a long time. It had never been an issue. And it just goes to show things are so polarized and people on both sides are so far the extreme. All rational people, the vast majority of everyone just gets caught in, caught in the middle. And uh, uh, listen, I, I, I was stunned at the way that it was handled. And uh, anyways, I, I thought that it, it, was, it was lacking real courage in making their decision. If that's what they wanted to do, do it, stand by it, own it. And this wasn't it. Um, anyways, I know the chat's going to go nuts. Let's try and keep it to crazy hot Jets takes for the next little bit. What do you make of the... Uh, what do you make of the team, Westy? Dubois on the way out, Helly apparently, uh, Shifley, and it does look like there's some conclusion with Wheeler. Many people would say this is somewhat overdue on a couple of the guys, but, man, this is, uh, I mean, a crossroads for the organization and arguably, actually, I don't even know if it's arguable, the most important week of Kevin Sheveldayoff's tenure as the general manager of this hockey club. I'm somewhere between sad and nervous, I think, man, like, (laughs) and, and nervous because all of us uh, that are, 
have as many rings on the tree as guys like you and I, Huss. Right? We remember the Jets leaving. Remember what that did to the city, the province. And I don't know, there's just a scar tissue in there, Huss, for me, that will never heal. So now when we're uh, the last couple of years, a pretty good drop-off. Tickets are pretty easy to get your hands on now. And the barn has changed a lot, man, since the Jets first arrived. And now the team is utter disarray a phrase that you can put on where the Jets are at right now. And I don't know, you know, if there's going to be any profound changes from some people are looking at, you know, upper management, uh, even up to uh, Chipman possibly of, of there being some change here. But it's just, it's a sad, scary state, man. Like losing Connor Hellebuck to me is the scariest of all. The Blake Wheeler situation, you know, unless you were blind with fandom and, and, and had a jersey of his sort of thing, you knew the back end of that contract was just not going to work out, right? That that was just glaring. You know what the thing and, is about Wheeler, though? I'll say this. I mean, the guy's done so much. He's, you know, scored. He's been the captain all the time. Let's face it. This is not about his... Like, he's had 55 points last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not about... Um, I mean, yeah, like, you know, you, did you sign a contract? Are you as productive in your last year as when you started? Probably not. I think they could absolutely live with this. We're talking about them paying four to five and a half million dollars to have him not part of this team going yeah, forward. So, and, and isn't I, that more alarming? Like, you know, just well, we hear... It, it was like, overdue. I mean, I think we all agreed that that probably came... I mean, this goes back to 2019. And again, we don't need to go through everything that happened, leading to the Line A trade and all that, but... Things haven't been right for a long time. And mm-hmm. um, and listen, man, with the way that the season ended and bonus going off and then, you know, hearing Blake lead the uh, lead the wine line, uh, he, he was batting lead off as uh, and a lot of players sort of followed him. Um, I mean, that that had to have been the most concerning. And if they realized that they probably should have done it before, that was the exclamation mark on it. And again, I got a lot of respect for what Blake's done for this team, for the way that he's played most of the time for the way that he's conducted himself publicly. Um, But this is about a team. This is about leadership. This is about a culture that needs to change. And I think it's pretty clear that it's not happening. And I've used this term before. Jets 2.0 doesn't become Jets 3.0. It was Paul Maurice. It was Blake Wheeler. It was Mark Shifley. Maurice is obviously gone. It looks like Wheeler's going to be gone. And I do think they're going to do what they can to move on from Mark Shifley. And at that point, you can kind of have a clean slate. You can turn this thing over to guys like Adam Lowry and Josh Morrissey and some of the other players in this team that can be hopefully part of a new, far more healthy culture that can also be a likable team that can really get fans behind it, even if they're not knocking on the door of a Stanley Cup. And I tell you, Hasek, I just don't get that. What is going on in that room, man? Like, how crappy is it? How how sour and, like, what the hell, man? I, I tell you, if I could have, if, if you could pick two people in the history of mankind to have a meal with and talk about things for an hour... I think Jesus would be number one for me, and Paul Maurice, I think, would be number two. <laughs> and I, I just to sit there, have a couple wobbly pops, and say, "Let come on, let's cut the crap and have a real forthright discussion." What the hell is the deal with that room? What was going on, man? Like, and he just he like tossed in the towel, right, and just wanted out, sort of thing. So, like, how rotten? And I think that's a fair term to use. Is the leadership like? The soul, the hockey soul, the leadership soul. What are you guys doing in the room? 
uh, leaders of like Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, who I think is a just I can't stand the way the approach of Mark Scheifele. And there was so much promise there and just the on off breaks in the highest skating in one direction is incredibly motivated in the other. Like that's a garbage leader to me. Just what he does on the ice. I don't want that guy. I think he should have been traded last year. Four seconds after the Stanley Cup was hoisted last year, Shifley, and I don't mean the year that just, I mean the year previous to this, he should have been gone because it was clear. That's not what, you can't have that guy as a leader on your team when he's so off and on with what he's willing to give you, that give a F factor. And it, it almost goes back to when Bufflin, like ever since Bufflin's left, it's just been something real crappy in there, man. And what a shame, Huss. When you, when you look back those few years ago when the Jets and the and the Knights we're in that final there. And like, who would you have pushed your chips on? You know, which team is going to go in the cup here in the four or five, well, however many years has been since then and, or be more healthy from a core standpoint and all those sorts of things. It's, there's some, it's just such a sad state of affairs and it's so pathetic, ugly, garbagey, and just rotten when you have whatever's happening from a leadership standpoint in there, Huss with, and I'm going to identify specifically Wheeler and Shifley I just, it's, it's a tragedy, man. And I, I just, I hate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think it can be uh, understated how big a part of, um, like it wasn't the skill. It wasn't the talent of this team. It was them as a team and obviously some riffs. I mean, we know that it led to Patrick Liney being traded and now that's put the jets in this other situation. And, and, and as it pertains to that, Troy, um, I mean, all those years talking about it in the mornings on the on the old station. I mean, you would know that this Dubois trade in particular. I mean, there's going to be some big ones, and they're all of major importance. But I'm not sure there'll be any transaction that Kevin Chevaldeoff will be judged more on than what happens with Pierre Luc Dubois, because this is the remnants of not one but two first round draft picks and one a second overall young man that came in and scored 80 goals as a teenager for this team. Um, and truly was as popular as uh, any, he along with Dustin Bufflin here in a long, long time. And to have that happen, I mean, like the, the report card for Chevy on everything that's happened over the last number of years is going to, in a lot of ways, start with what happens with this return from Dubois. And I liked what you mentioned. Uh, you sort of touched on it there. And if you could take this group and perform the surgery needed, Wheeler out, Shifley out, get on your hands and knees and beg Helly to stay. You know, offer him something over the moon, maybe if uh, if you think that's worth it, and and he can help to carry the torture. But if you just shift the leadership of this team from Wheeler and Shifley, you get rid of whatever cancer is going on there, and then you pass the torch to Lowry and Morrissey. Just as an example, how much profoundly different would the soul of this team be? And it's going to be really interesting to see to what degree the team is willing to perform surgery and then how dynamic and profound might the change be going forward. Well, and, and, and you know what? I mean, I think a lot of that, if had it, if had it been done earlier and a little yeah. bit more proactively, mm-hmm. uh, I really believe regardless of how the team results were in the standings, uh, I, I don't think you have the same erosion of uh, some of the yeah. people that were hardcore fans that have sort of taken a step away or maybe given up their seats um, because uh, and there was a lot of things that rubbed people the wrong way and continue going back and doing it was, I think, frustrating for a lot of people. And we hear it all the time 
here in this chat. That being said, Westy, um, it is fascinating just from a, a team building scenario. I mean, what is on the table right now? What could happen? The amount of change with this hockey club. Um, and at the same time, it, it is a pretty big opportunity to really make those changes and more that we've talked about have been overdue and set a completely new tone and culture for this club. And to me, that is absolutely what has to happen at the end of whatever happens this week and the rest of this, se- this season. Undoubtedly. And if you're going to buy a jersey, just go with a classic. You maybe get a 33 Bufflin. I, I don't know, you know, whether it's Jets 1.0 or 2.0, because right there, there could be so much change on the horizon here uh, outside of guys like Lowry and Morrissey and a number of others. But it's just, yeah, these, it's what a critical, remarkably critical junction here uh, for, for the club and everybody involved. It's remarkable. Hey, Westy, just before we go, uh, you mentioned Lowry and Morrissey, and I think the vast consensus is that the next captain of this team is going to be either Adam Lowry or Josh Morrissey. There's great arguments on both sides. Uh, if you were the tie-breaking vote, who's getting the C from, uh, from you? I'm going to go with Lowry. I, I love Morrissey for sure, but just, just um, everything involved – I, I got to go with a guy like Lowry and a guy that can, you know, he's almost got a, from a, what he emits is almost Messier like as far as uh, the command. And I know Morrissey solid as a cap, but I think a little bit more quiet, a little more lead by example and stuff. But if anything, if, if, uh, you know, if the number two ever hits the fan, I think I want Lowry to be the captain. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I think it almost looked like it was a fait accompli. It was Morrissey earlier in the season, but the way Lowry bounced back from that big struggling stretch that he had, the way he played down the stretch and sometimes like in some ways putting that team on his back and then also his play in the playoffs. um, It it certainly, I think is far more close to a 50, 50 debate than it was earlier in the season when he had that tough, tough stretch of 30-whatever games without scoring a goal. Westy, always fun having you on the program, man. Uh, I know you're going to be heading out, checking out the the lads at the uh, stadium, but always following our Valor boys on the on the soccer pitch. And uh, hope you, Trey, and the fam are well. Let's do this again soon, buddy. Thanks for jumping on with us today. You betcha, brother. Take care. Thank you so much. Good stuff. Our old pal, Troy Westwood. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter and uh of course, we'll look forward to having Westy back real soon. Always love having Troy with us. Uh, Scott Billick is coming up, as well as Grant McCagg from Recruits.ca. Talk a little Dubois, Montreal situation with Grant. Uh, he's very close to the Hab scene, as well as uh, he always has some different views on a lot of the prospects and has the courage to have rankings that are quite different than maybe some of the others. So that's coming up a little later on. Just before we get to Billick, Uh, If you want great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, you got to get on down to Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market also has great grilling steaks, grass-fed bison and beef steaks as barbecue season's in full swing, and Garden of Life. Men's Health, you know, Father's Day we just passed. Men's Health still very much top of mind. Garden of Life has some unique formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's to help support men's gastrointestinal health. Uh, pop down and see them. Vita Health Fresh Market. They do have a local delivery options. and You can shop online 
at myvita.ca or pop down to any of their seven locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. Uh, our friends at Wallace & Wallace are busy right now as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. They've been doing it in Winnipeg as the leaders since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence, they've got pretty much any kind you could possibly need, vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, how's the closet looking, fellas? A lot of big events this summer. Wedding season is here and, of course, a big fall coming up. If you need to up your menswear game for summer and beyond, you need to get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Uh, 15% discount for wedding parties if you and the fellas need to get looking great for the big day. It can help you out down at F Apparel. Visit them at 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more online or make an appointment at F. That's ephapparel.com. And a big shout out to our pal Nick and Nikki over at the Nick and Nikki DQ. Uh, it's been a hot summer so far. Things are busy, and there's nothing that makes those hot days better than one of the new summer blizzard flavors and the uh, favorite ice cream treat, the DQ Blizzard. While you're there, though, you might want to grab some Dilly Bars, some Buster Bars, a couple racks of those to stick in the freezer in case of emergency break glass. And, hey, if you need a custom DQ ice cream or blizzard cake, hit them up at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. They'll make one up for you as you need and for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, draft talk a little later on. Marble still to come. Let's get Scotty Billick in here from the Winnipeg Sun. Billick, what's good, buddy? How are you? Yeah, I can't complain. I'm getting a little more sleep. I know it's just like a weekly update on my Diablo playing time. Uh, for the, for the three people in the chat that care. Um, I'm always uh, interested. I haven't seen the game, but I do ask you every time I see you. So how's the game? Yeah, yeah. What level well, are you I had at? a bone to pick with you too. I mean, what are you talking You were talking, I, I think it was Monday because right after the Canadian Grand Prix and you had said something, I was in chat there. I'm like, man, we got to talk. I mean, you need somebody to talk about Formula One. Just hit me up. We'll talk Formula One. I can do that. So, well, I mean, um, what do we need to talk about? Max Verstappen wins every week. What's there he to does talk win about? Every week. <clears throat> but that, that, so this is the thing that, like, so if people that don't, I, I, you know, I don't know how much you watch the sport. Um, it, it, there's so many storylines every week in a race, right? Like, if you look at last weekend's race, Alex Albon finishing seventh, the way that he did in, in qualifying, the Williams car being as garbage as it's been for the last few years. Um, you know, for him to come back and, 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 and to get a seventh place there on merit. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't like there was weather that day. There was, you know, very few retirements in, in the race um, that would have affected where he finished. So, like, that in itself is a story. Um, you know, the, the, the George Russell mistake. Like, there, every time there's a race, it, yes, Verstappen won, and it's likely this year that Red Bull's going to win the championship. Verstappen wins his third straight world title. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this this happens. We've seen this in Formula One throughout history, from the '80s and McLaren, um, you know, the '90s. It just doesn't seem that exciting. I mean, just like we know what's going to happen. Well, you might, yeah, but I mean, there's so much at play here, right? I mean, and and some of the best races are still to come, which is always, you know, the summertime brings the best races. That's the one thing with Formula One is that 
you know, I mean, Monaco is is the spectacle, but not really the best race. But once you get to Silverstone, Spa, um, even next weekend's race at, in Austria at the Red Bull Ring is awesome. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I just for me, Formula One is so much more than who wins or wins or or doesn't win every race. You There's do so have many some, stories, you do have some so. support. You do have some support. Steve yeah, well, says yes. We need an F1 report. Johnny Bender, yes, Billick. More <laughs> F1 talk. So there are a few folks that that are I, in uh, yeah. GSM. Twenty five years ago, it was way more competitive. It um, was hundred percent. It was. Well, here here's but, but, one thing I'm interested. How did uh, how oh, Silver Spoon Stroll doing? How did he do in Montreal? Not great, but I mean, you know, that's fine. It, it's fine. He's just not as good in that. Here, here's the problem with Lance Stroll. I, I think Lance Stroll and, and people who watch Formula One will probably, uh, I think a lot of people who don't watch Formula One just think that Lance Stroll is this guy who his dad obviously owns Aston Martin, the team now, so he just gets a seat. There's been times where Aston Martin, or Aston Martin, Lance Stroll has, has been brilliant, and there's times where he's not very good, and don't get me wrong, but I mean, he's not, he's not the worst driver on the grid, and I'll just say that. I mean, you know, there, there are times where he's put, I mean, he, he drove for Williams at one point, racing point before they were Aston Martin as they are now, um, and, and, and put in some good performances. And so, uh, you know, he might not have done well in, in, in his home Grand Prix. I mean, that happens. I mean, there's guys that want, they always want to win their home Grand Prix. Okay, I'll, commit, I'll commit Sargent this to you. Isn't winning in the US I'll this commit year. this to that. you. Later on in July and August, when things are a little quieter, we can do an F1 segment. You can come on and educate some of us and it. give us reasons why. I love it. Because, listen, and, and I mean, it was wild for me to see everyone that tuned into that Drive for Survive, and there was like a whole new generation yeah. created by the pandemic of people that were really into it. Um, as I yeah. said, for me, it just doesn't seem that competitive, and that's why I haven't really been hooked. That being said, yeah. speaking gotcha. of not being competitive – well, I mean, what was your reaction to last night at IG Field? Oh, jeez. I, I, I mean, yeah. listen, it's I one mean, thing to lose a game. And as I said at the start of the show, they have yeah. been so good. I mean, if any team deserves a mulligan or whatever you want, it's the Bombers. But, man, the way yeah. they lost that game and how good BC looked and how BC manhandled them on the line of scrimmage was mm-hmm. frankly shocking for a team that has just been the standard in the league for the last five years. Well, I mean, I think we're starting to sort out that there are some still some good teams in the CFL that that it's not just like I, I think a lot of people came into this year just thinking, well, well, the Bombers have the best quarterback. There's no Nathan Rourke in the league anymore, so there's not really a clear-cut second guy. And even if there is a clear-cut second quarterback in the league, he's not on Zach Claros's level, right? There's the S tier, A tier, whatever. Claros is clearly in the S tier, and then there's debatable if there's another A tier even quarterback. I mean, you might say Bo Levi, whatever. But, you know, first of all, the, the Bombers are human. And, and you know, we, we figured that out last night, right? They had a bad game. The O-line, the O-line stunk. You know, Zach Clarkson was, what, sacked seven times or something like that. That's ridiculous. That, that, that's an anomaly um, until it's not anymore. Um, and, and just the fact that the offense just got continually shut down. Like, it, I, I think we underestimated the fact that that BC, you know, shutting out Edmonton last week was. Oh, I didn't give him enough credit. I, I, think, up. I, I, didn't. I think, and I think that's part of it, right? Like to shut out a team in the CFL, no matter how <laughs> bad that team is, is still very difficult, right? Like th- there's so many things that happen in a football game that can 
lead to any sort of points, right? Whether it's just like a turnover and, and a field goal gets kicked or whatever. But but the BC Lions defense, you saw it last night, it is unbelievably good, right? Probably the best defense, well, I, undeniably the best defense in the league right now. I mean, we're in, we're three weeks into the watching the season. So, but they've been really good. And, and you know, to Bomber's credit, we know, and they were missing a few guys on defense. They don't have Jeff Coat. Uh, Demario Houston didn't play last night. So it, 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 there, there are issues with, but I, I think we've seen the cracks with, with Winnipeg's defense in the first two weeks of the season. It's just, they were scoring 45 points a game. So it didn't matter. Right. And, and, week one, and I thought they were incredible. I mean, I thought they, they looked they were, like they last just week, like basically great cup level. You're right. Last right, week, but last got... week, I think it, it showed that, you know, there maybe the defense isn't up to snuff and, and, We'll see. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, sometimes it, it, it's good for a team to get kicked in the teeth. And and for a Bombers team that really the only adversity they really faced last year was a kicker who couldn't kick a field goal that ended their 10-0 and streak. And and then, then losing in the Grey Cup, right? I mean, I was sitting there thinking about it last night watching this game. I'm like, maybe this is like, you know, you never want to lose, right? But maybe this is a good thing for the Bombers. Like a reminder that, you know, <clears throat> they are human they, they they can be beat on any given day if, if another team comes out and just has a game like that. And and so this is more of a, a you know, a, a kick in the ass or a wake-up call or whatever you want to call it for a team that I think everybody would, you know, I don't know who else would have picked the Bombers, anyone but the Bombers, to win the Grey Cup this year, right? I mean, I think the Bombers are the favorites. They're the, you know, it, it was possible you could think about this team, you know, going uh, – on, a, an, on an exceptional uh, uh, winning streak and, and that sort of thing. You know, I, I think so much has been said about this Bombers team because of the continuity and, and all that stuff. And, yeah, I get it. I mean, people are like, well, maybe the Bombers are old, the whole Mel Steagle thing. I don't I don't think that they're old. I don't think anything that – I just think the Bombers got caught last night. I, they got caught. It may be a part of a, a bit of complacency, and we, we haven't really talked about complacency a lot with Michael Shea's team because of the fact that – this team's never really been complacent. They have a lot of leaders on this team that make sure that's not the the case. But you know, maybe the kick in the teeth will do the Bombers some good, right? Because I think I mean, in week three, you you deal with this adversity. You look at the film today. You see where it went wrong. Because we know this isn't the Bombers, right? Like we we watched that game last night, and then you dial it back a week and two weeks even, and you see how dominant they can be offensively. They didn't have that last night. Part of that is because, you know, Zach Kolaros spent more time on his ass than than anything. But I, I'm interested to see next week because I think that's that's where you're going to see a Bombers team come out and, and either make a statement or we're going to find out if there's, you know, maybe a more more cracks in, in, in the foundation than, than there should yeah. be. Um, but, but, I, but, yeah, I, I just – I. It, it, it was it, it was an interesting game, of course, right? And and you know, obviously a bad one if you're a Bombers fan. But but I, I think there, you know, you hate to kind of sugarcoat these things, but I think there's some positives that can come out of this game simply due to the fact that the, the Bombers realize, yeah, it, they're not just going to run the table this season, and and, and everybody else realized that they're not going to run this table this season. Yeah, to quote <clears> the late great Iron Sheik. They <laughs> broke their backs and made them humble last night. I needed to get that in at some point yeah, today. It's good to even say. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you've been around this team, and obviously Ted covers it as well, but I mean, yeah. you've been around. I, I'm really interested in what 
the week of practice is going to be like for the Bombers and just yeah. how this one resonates in. Because to be perfectly honest, if they wanted to say, hey, you know what, it was just an off night, we're going to go back and – I mean, almost they've earned that if they want yeah. to do it. I don't yeah. think that will be they the won't. case, though. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think, I think that this is it, it. It's a it'll be a productive wake up call, right? Like it's not just yeah. like I, uh, you know, we came out, we we crapped the bed, and and yeah, we know we can be better than that. Like I, I think there's too many there's too many leaders on this team to ever allow that to happen, right? From from the Adam Big Hills and the Willie Jeffersons and the Brandon Alexanders to the Caleroses to all the guys on the offensive line, you know, that have been around this league for, for a long, long time. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine this is sitting well with Stanley Bryant this morning or, or, or Pat Newfeld or, or Jamarcus Hardrick, any of those guys, right. That, that watched their quarterback get destroyed last night, you know, like, like I, I, I if there's, if there's one team that I know that just based on covering being around them, that that's going to take this seriously. I bet there's guys in the film room this morning going over this stuff. Right. I mean, there'll be there'll be discussions you know the one thing you know about this team is that they're often even on days that they're scheduled to be off there'll be guys in there watching film this morning trying to figure out what the hell went wrong last night and 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 that's the one thing about this team that makes it so good at the end of the day right that that can overcome things like you know getting blown out 30 to 6 or whatever right like there's this team has every piece uh, that you would want to, uh, in terms of like a culture and a leadership and all that sort of stuff to kind of come back from this and be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. We got our asses handed to us, but you know, you know, and, and I, I think they can do that and it's not going to also like, obviously the pride takes a hit when you lose this, but it, it's not that there's not enough ego in that room to, to like, uh, they're, they're, what I'm trying to say is they're not going to be pointing fingers at anybody, right? Like this whole team is going to rally around each other. And until we don't see that, I mean, that's what I believe about this team. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. We've it's seen, a collective, right? so, a collective look in the mirror is what's happening. Hey, listen, I, 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 yeah, let, yeah, let me exactly. just quick let, let me put this to the chat because I I I, I want to get people's reactions. We've talked about this for a while. Um, here's yep. our why not question of the day for not Autocorp over Waverly and McGillivray. On a scale of one to ten, <laughs> ten being completely freaked out to one being no big deal. Where is your level of concern about the Bombers from last night? I don't think anyone had many concerns going in, but your reaction to last night, put us in the chat. Let us know if you want to just put in a number or if you want to expand on a little bit more. Very interested in how people are feeling. Because it was funny. I left the game last night, and I jumped on the blue line to get uh, get down to Confusion Corner afterwards. Yeah. And, you know, the fans... The fans afterwards, like it, it certainly, I mean, a lot of times you get on afterwards and people have had a few, the Bombers just kick someone else's ass and it's a really fun, yeah. it wasn't like people were freaking out, but it was a little bit of, uh, uh, people were stunned in, in, in a lot of ways. That being said, I don't think the freak out was there, but it was, uh, yeah. it, it was very different and for a long time. And by the way, just once again, the fact that this was their first home loss to a Western division team since 2018 is yeah, one man. of the most incredible stats I, I've right. heard in a long time. Like it was going to happen, right? Like, I mean, eventually it's going to happen. And I, I you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things with, with winning all the time as the Bombers have done is it, it makes it more stunning. And then people, the, the, the overcorrection when the Bombers lose um, can be, um, let's say, you know, bigger than it would be if, you know, this team was, you know, 
uh, not a 500 team, but let's say, you know, like a, you know, a 60% winning team or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, I, I think that it, it just, it's, it's more of shock value than anything, but at the same time, I mean, I wouldn't put zero in, in your poll in the chat because I, I don't think the level of concern can be zero. And I don't think that anybody in the, in the bombers dressing room or coaching staff or anybody is going to say, Oh, you know, it was just a whatever week and you know, we'll come back from it. I, I think in that room, I think there is a concern because, you know, th- they couldn't overcome it. Right. Like even when they got down, like, you know, even at the half, right. You're like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, bombers can overcome, you know, a, a, a double digit deficit. There's nothing, you know, they've done that before. I mean, this offense, all it needs is a couple of drives and they're right back in the game. Um, but that didn't come. And so that's, I mean, you have to look at that. You have to look at, I mean, you have to be concerned about the fact that Kalaros basically got sacked as many times as he did all last season. I mean, that's not, that's a little hyperbole, but I mean, that, that's sort of, you know, where this is at. Like, I think the concern has to be somewhere in, you know, up, up, upwards of five, but it, this isn't a five alarm fire either. So let's not, we don't need yeah. to overblow it, seems the it right now. But. Is somewhere is somewhere in between <clears throat> three, Two, there's a yeah. few ones. And I think that's DA's got a five. <laughs> T Will. T Will has got basically is looking over the Osborne Bridge right now. He's at 12 um, right now. Just to <laughs> get off the ledge, T Will. Get off the ledge. Uh, Ken is 0.5. Um, yeah, anyways, yeah. <laughs> it'll certainly give it'll certainly make you know a more interesting week of practice yeah. going forward because the story's pretty much been the same for a long time for the Bombers. Like, oh, let's get to practice. We know they're uh, get to the playoffs. Uh, not yeah. the case anymore, and BC deserves, deserves a ton of credit uh, for 100%. it. Scotty, um, what's up? A couple Jets things to uh, to get to right sure. off the bat. But um, obviously, I mean, you know, from a number of the reports, and, and I'd said this the last couple of weeks on the show, when Darren Drager was sort of just throwing out unprovoked, unprompted, when talking about buyouts that Blakely Wheeler would be in the mix, pretty much told me that one way or the other, this was sort of the end of that Wheeler era right now. And, um, you yep. know, by the 30th of June, we'll find out whether there is a trade partner uh, or whether it is simply a buyout. What, uh, in your opinion, um, how significant is this? I mean, not historically, but yeah. going forward, um, you know, to have, you know, Blake, his presence, his personality, his um, his history, um, yeah. Out of the room, how important is that for the Winnipeg Jets going forward, especially for Rick Bonus as he tries to build on last season and, and move on from the way that season ended? If I was going to steal a word from Kevin Chevaldeoff, I'd call it seismic. Um, and, and, the, and, the way, and the reason why I suggest that is because, I mean, you just look at the end of the season, right? I mean, it was Blake Wheeler that led the revolt. It was all the players suggesting that Blake was still the captain, even though he wasn't wearing the seat. Like, you you could take it all away from Blake Wheeler, but the fact of the matter was he was still there. And for a lot of these guys, especially the core on this team, Blake Wheeler has always been there, right? I mean, he's the only Jet that remains on this team from day one, right? I mean, you can say Mark Scheifele because he was drafted and all that, but Blake Wheeler is the only guy that came from Atlanta that's still on this team. And so Blake Wheeler has been a constant for this team, and, and we can argue whether it's been a – you know, a positive or a negative or whatever. But at the end of the day, when this team needs to move forward with a different leadership core, Blake Wheeler being on the team still stands in that way because I think there's still, I don't know if you want to call it allegiances or just, you know, the default is 
well, Blake's our guy. He's he, he's our leader. He's our captain. And and that's just the way it's always been. So you want to give the room to Adam Lowry and Josh Morrissey and 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 Kyle Connor, Nick Eilers, or whoever it is um, in that new leadership core. Well, it's hard to do that. You know, it, uh, it, we've we've all used this thing. It's like, and I think you said it last week on the show. It's and you said it multiple times. It's like you know, breaking up with your spouse or your whatever, and still living in the same house as them. Like it's 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 awkward, right? Like it's still it's still awkward. So like in in that just it's in that Facebook alone, status, it's complicated. It's complicated, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's that, right? Like I think that's part of it too. But it, it it's such a you know like like the team. It, it's almost like I mean they're doing everything they can for Blake Wheeler, and I wrote about this yesterday because I, I you know over the last couple of weeks I've talked to a bunch of people. You know, I'm not going to say where, but I mean, yeah, I've talked to people that are closer to this and and that sort of thing, and kind of getting an idea of like what's going on right now. And you can read that at, at the Winnipeg Sun. Shameless plug, sorry. Um, but you know, it, it's it, it, there's a little bit of like it's, I don't I don't know if it's hesitancy, but like it, it's a delicate situation to buy out Blake Wheeler, right? Because th- there's a lot of things that that play into this for the organization, like. I think, you know, uh, for a fan, it, it's easy to sit there and say, oh, just press the button on cap friendly and then you bought them out, right? It, it's not as easy to do that um, when there's so much riding on it from an organizational standpoint, right? Like, I think ideally they'd want to trade him, but it's not because they just want to um, lose his contract or retain half for just this year and take well, the bullet this year. I think ideally they'd rather just have him finish out his contract well, and retire well, a and jet. I, and, and I think there's, yes, and and, and there, there's there's multiple reasons for That's that. That's not but an it, option. But, but it's not an option, no. But I think there's there's still people in that organization that want that. And, and part of it is just, you know, the optics of it, right? I mean, Blake Wheeler has given his career to Winnipeg, right? Like, I mean, all of his former years, he signed here twice. He was the captain, um, you know, like, there's there's merit in this for a potential uh, players coming up that have to resign, um, free agents that come here. That like the idea that Winnipeg honors its contracts is a big deal for a player that is looking to sign here that wants to maybe put down roots. Or if I'm going to sign here five, six, seven years or whatever, I want some sort of assurances that I'm going to be here for all that time. And I understand like hockey's a business at the end of the day. But when it's difficult if for Winnipeg, you kind of have to be creative. And so if you say to Blake Wheeler, who had a young family at the time, um, when he signed his five-year deal, that hey, we're not going to up and move you. And part of that was his no-movement clause that created that and then the, the five-team and all that. But th- there's, there's, a, there's a benefit for this Jets team to have the optics always be, yeah, we honor contracts and, and, and we do things – a little differently that you know the family thing and all that we, we've always heard about this but you know when you buy out a guy like wheeler it, and i don't know if that sends the same message but it, it is just optics right for a lot of people it doesn't really matter why the reasons are it's just like that's what it is and and so you see it that way so you know i think from an organizational standpoint and 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 th- they would like to either trade him because it, it looks better and and it's that cheaper. buying out just doesn't it is cheaper in the end and that's the other thing that's the other thing that we talk about with the jets is that they we know that the jets don't like to pay for services that that aren't provided you Who know does? Like, and, exactly and and but 
really when you know when you look at Vegas, right? Like they'll you know it doesn't matter to them. They'll do whatever. There's, there's teams here that will that will do this uh, and and have no issue with it. The Jets do have an issue with it, right? And you know, one person that I talked to said, you know, basically buying Wheeler out is like lighting five point five million dollars on fire, and 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 that's not something that the Jets do. And and so again, it speaks it, to how it, important it, it, the move is. It, I mean, it that's... is right. It, it's a, it's complicated, right? I mean, you said it. You know, it's a good Facebook thing and all that, but it, it is complicated. And I, I think, I think it, it's you know, and I've been guilty of this too at, at times. It's just like, well, just do what's best for business, and what's best for business, you know, is the path of least resistance. And the path of least resistance, you know, it seems because trading him is very difficult. Just even retaining half, finding a third party broker, trying to find a team that you could trade him to that would buy him out. I mean, there's all those things that you could do, but that's going to cost you futures, right? Like well, the, the, least, the should, path of least resistance is it, doing nothing and just like riding it out. But I think it's very clear that even the people that have backed right. him the most throughout all of this right. period of time and have incredible amount of respect for him understand what's happened with sure. this team over the last few years, where the situation is. And the fact that that has been realized, acknowledged, and this decision is being made Whatever it ends up being a trade or yeah. a buyout, um, honestly, I think is a great thing for the team because you know they oh, always get they always get you know accused of oh they don't make decisions because they're too loyal they don't want to do that stuff. This is obviously necessary. It's not easy for them to do it, and I yeah. think by doing it and and moving on, it's important for the culture of the team. It's important for the actual team on the ice. Um, but more so, I think it says to people that, you know, a lot of that narrative isn't necessarily fair. And here's an example. We're moving on from the face of the franchise for the last 11 years um, because it's something that needs to be done. Yeah. And, you know, there's still going to be people to say, well, they should have done it sooner. And arguably they should have done it last summer when Blake was kind of questioning his 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 time in Winnipeg. Right. But again, it I get, buying him out last summer or trying to trade him as they tried to do obviously didn't work. Now you can argue while they were trying to hold, you know, get rid of all of his contract instead of retaining money. Again, that goes back to how much did the Jets want to spend for something that they don't have. Um, and and so like a lot of these things just kind of feed. But at the end of the day, I think this team um, has realized that Blake Wheeler has to go, right? And, and, and it's not just maybe the head coach or it's not maybe players in the room. It's the GM and maybe more, most importantly here, it's the owner. Right. I mean, I think at the end of the day, because as loyal as Blake Wheeler's been to the city and this plays a lot into it. Right. Like Blake Wheeler has been maybe, let's say, the uh, maybe the poster child for this team in terms of getting an elite player at, at the time to re-sign with the club and, and say, hey, I think we can win here and, and all that sort of stuff. Like that's that's a big deal because five years ago or you know, four years ago now, Blake Wheeler could have pretty much gone anywhere. Right, he would have been a UFA, and there would have been a lot of teams that would have picked him up. He chose to stay in Winnipeg. That that brings a lot of clout for Blake Wheeler in the eyes of this this organization. So, yeah, I mean, it, but at the end of the day, right, the Jets have to they have to do it. I mean, you, you can't. I, I'm I, I've, I've said this for a while now, but you, you can't bring Blake Wheeler back into that room if you're bringing Rick Bonus back. And and I don't believe you can bring Blake Wheeler back into that room regardless. Well, here let, let's let's just on that forward. note. On that yeah. note. Um, you know, for a long time, I mean, it was Wheeler and it was Shifley. Yeah. And and listen, I mean, Wheeler said what he said at the end of the season. 
But I mean, he certainly wasn't outwardly cantankerous and he was relatively productive. I mean, maybe not quite to a standard yep. before, but for his age, I mean, I don't think you can really complain about the season that he had on the ice, but this is a much bigger thing about the identity, the culture of the team, all those things. Uh, I have heard very little about potential deals for Mark Shifley right now. I mean, we've heard a lot of interest in Pierre-Luc yeah. Dubois and we've heard a lot in Hellebuck. And, and listen, I mean, Shifley had 42 goals. You would think that there is a deal out there for Mark Shifley, but mm-hmm. it's pretty clear that the priority right now, as far as the trades in and around the, the, uh, the draft start with number 80 and then with number 37. Yeah. If, if the, if those deals happen and Wheeler's bought out or traded, but Shifley is left here going into his contract year yep. with Rick Bonus as the head coach, considering the way things ended last season, him getting moved. I mean, it, it, can they even possibly consider going into this season with Shifley, knowing he potentially might be traded, knowing that he absolutely needs to have a great year if he wants to be getting the sort of contract that he hopes uh, at some point at the end of next season or earlier? Yeah, I, I do think you can go into the season with Mark Scheifele. Should you? I mean, that's debatable, and I'm not sure you should. I think, you know, you cut you cut one head off the two-headed monster. Maybe you should cut off the second one. Um, but at the same time, and I think part of the reason why we're not hearing as much about Mark Scheifele right now is because there's deadlines to be had, right? Jets are going to have to trade Perrot ball by the draft because it just doesn't make sense, and it's way too risky not to. Um and the same with, I mean, Connor Hellbuck is what it is. They, that that can sort of wait. Blake Wheeler is also a big decision because they want to get that done before the June 30th deadline. There is a, another window later on in the summer, but, at, you know, that's after all the... That's uh, for arbitration, though. That's I the mean, arbitration. Like the, the Wheeler yeah. thing's happening now. It's I mean, happening and now. Also, so, so and also, are, listen, they want to do him right. Like, if they are buying oh, him out, they do, yeah. he needs to be a free agent on July 1st 100%. and figure yeah. out where he's going to play next year. Yeah. So I don't think that's really a, a prediction. Exactly. But, but, but I do think, like, those things are taking up a lot of the time, right? I also think there's other teams that need centers that are still waiting on... Like, it, so if you're the Boston Bruins and you're looking for centers, right... You're still waiting on to see what's going to happen with Elias Lindholm in Calgary, and then you're all. But more importantly, you're waiting to see what Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci do. And I think it's either both are coming back, or neither of them are coming back. And then Boston needs two centers. They better figure whatever, that out right? quick if they haven't already. <laughs> right, but I mean, I, I think the problem is like Calgary's waiting on Lindholm to figure out what he wants to do. Well, I think Boston would be all over Elias Lindholm if, if, if it's Calgary's not going to be where he's going to resign. I do wonder if the Boston Bruins are also going to be interested in Mark Shifley. Is Carolina interested in Mark Shifley, right? Like teams that, that you just look at teams that, I mean, either losing centers or needed some more scoring oomph in the playoffs, and maybe Carolina wants them. I mean, you know, so like there's there's things like that that, that have to be, you know, kind of looked at as well. But I, mean, I just, you know, with Mark Shifley, you have more time to consider it. You could also trade him at the deadline. There's a lot of different things that you could do. You could bring him back because I think Mark Sheffy is going to be on his best behavior regardless of what happens this season. Because as you said, uh, you know, and as we all know, Mark Sheffy needs a new contract. And the best way to maximize how much your your, your earning potential on that next contract is to have a hell of a year in your contract here. We you know, we see this all the time and, and across pro sports. Um, you know, so I think you're going to get a good season out of Mark Sheffy regardless of what happens and where he is. But I lean to the. I mean, I, I still lean to the side of you know of it being that you probably got to get rid of him too um, to really kind of move this team forward in terms of leadership and 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 handing it over to a different because you know I think 
Shifley becomes a bit of a lame duck in that in that dressing room at that point, or they just kind of gravitate towards his leadership or well, whatever. Exactly. That is, like right? I think you're you're, so you're not problem, getting closer right? so. to getting to where you want to be <clears throat> within exactly. there. And yeah. I, and as far as the return, like I, I'm not sure the return is better now than it would be at the deadline for Shifley. No. I, I, like I, I yeah, you I mean, can you, you can know. make an argument either side. Yeah. Like it's not like it's very clearly. Well, if you don't make the deal right now. There's no way you're going to get it. We've seen before. I mean, the price is paid in and around the deadline uh, for sure. a player like Shifley, especially on his it, contract. Right. Um, but but it's it's about all those it's other just, things internal. The same right. reasons why Blake Wheeler is not going to be here. Right. And I just think like now you got to kind of consider well, you're not going to have a number one goalie next year, and you you don't have a backup right now either, right? So I I think at at, at some point you got to think like okay, well. Could you raid Boston for maybe Jeremy Swayman, right? For for Shifley, obviously it would probably take more than that from the Jets, because um, Swayman is not necessarily a proven starter uh, in this league in terms of you know like the whole thing. But you know, do the Jets want to go to this the, the tandem thing like like some teams are doing? But to me, it, it's it's you know, can you maximize a bet? Can you can you tailor what you kind of want in return from a trade better now? than you could at the deadline because maybe you don't get maybe, maybe the the offerings are are just as good but can you tailor more now to the positions that you need during the off season or even at the draft or whatever um because you can kind of leverage some of these teams that may have to get rid of let's say like you know for me boston's a, a perfect example and can you leverage a team like boston who's going to have some cap issues they need two new centers potentially and they have two goalies, and in, 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 one's a Vesna winner, uh, likely coming up here, um, and the other one is has been very good, and you know, but younger, and and could use a shot, and probably wants an opportunity to 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 really start in this league. So, can you leverage different things like this around the league to kind of maybe pinpoint and go after what you actually need right now? Because at the deadline, our team is going to want to be like, would a team like Boston it might need a center then? Would they want to trade, you know, one of their, you know, two goalies that that are really, you know, propelling them to their success? I, I don't know. Right yeah, now, that, that you know, so when you get into goaltending, when you get into goaltending right, in particular, yeah. that is something that I think you do make a good point is probably more suited to uh, to the off season. Well, I'll say it this. just depends if that's it. So yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, you, it, we just don't know. I mean, you know, are you going to get a goaltender for Connor Hellebuck? I, it might not just be you're not getting a center for a center in a trade. It might be you get a center for a young well, goalie so and a goalie for a young parts. center, right? Absolutely. Exactly. So, like, I, I think there's just well, now and, and, it gives you the widest umbrella or the widest kind of um, net to try and and fill what this team needs to fill. Well, and and if, how if they soon they get these deals done? I mean, you know, if the Dubois happens yeah. before the draft, mm-hmm. if Hellebuck does, then I think Shifley's more in play. But I do yeah. think there's a little bit of an order of operations going on right now with the Winnipeg Jets. Billick, are you at Seabears tonight? Uh, I don't think so. No, I'm not at Seabears tonight. All right. I, well, I, maybe I'll show up anyways because I, I, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I, I hate. Uh, I'm not trying to shill for the Seabears. I, I just enjoy it. It's, it's a fun time. You've been there. Listen. I mean, it's fun. It's fun to watch. The basketball is good. The crowd is great. Like. And a Friday night there, like I imagine it's probably more full, but they're still averaging more than 
more than the, the league record in attendance. Like, oh, I mean, so they're, I do, just, they're doing great. Uh, yeah. uh, I think it'll be a, it'll be a fun one. And against the, yeah. uh, I think the Saskatchewan it's or Saskatchewan Rattlers. Rattlers. Yeah. yeah, they play so, out of Saskatoon, uh, but they're the Saskatchewan Rattlers. So yeah. uh, anyways, we'll see that tonight. Some great options as the uh, Fisher home as well. Uh, have yeah. a great one, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, we'll catch up next week. Uh, should be lots for us to talk about. That's for Might sure. Might be some F1 to talk about too. Oh, no, uh, there's yeah, not a race I, this weekend. I don't but. think F1 <laughs> is going to be making the show next week uh, with draft week going on. Just a prediction, but okay, right, sometime in July or August. Thanks for doing this, yeah. man. Yeah, anytime, guys. All right, there is, uh, there is Scott Billick. And uh, as I mentioned, the Gold Goldice fans, it has been a really, really rough run for the fish over the last little while. Uh, however, for thinking about watching the team uh, get back into the win column, this might be the weekend because the, uh, you know, the Fish are struggling at the bottom of their division, but so are the Gary South Shore Railcats. That's the opponent for this weekend series. The one thing I, I can't guarantee wins, but I can guarantee a great time. I can guarantee ice cold brews at Craft Beer Corner. I can guarantee the incredible barbecue bowl or butter chicken or hot dogs. I mean, there's nothing better, no better place to eat and drink in the city in the ballpark. And uh, as they say, hasn't been going well for the local nine, but good chance to maybe get back in the win column tonight. Uh, great night to get out for baseball this entire weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoon against the Gary Social Rail Catch. You can get tickets in advance at goldeyes.com. Uh, pop down there tonight and uh, enjoy it. And uh, of course, big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto. They're big sponsors of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes as well. And uh, as I mentioned, the highlight of last night's game I think was the Princess Auto tailgate zone for a couple hours before kickoff. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. It was great. I saw my pal Buck and the Consolidated Supply team at the game last night. Consolidated Supply... It's actually grown throughout Western Canada. It was good to see the boss back in uh, in the peg for the weekend and the whole team. They're busy right now. I was just talking to them. Men, leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, as well as golf carts, both new and used, as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. Uh, they're also working on amazing things for people's properties here in Manitoba. Great options, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. And, of course, they're the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Popeye Consolidated Supply, excuse me, uh, at their showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Hey, goalies, who's got a goalie in the family? Well, tomorrow, it is the annual goalie extravaganza put together by our friends at Royal Sports it's out at the Hockey for All Center. And uh, listen, you're going to be able to check out next year's gear for free. Lots of demo gear to try out for pro, seniors, intermediate, and juniors. And all the top brands in the goalie game. True, Warrior, Vaughn, CCM, Bauer, and expert on ice instruction by the Ice Lab staff. Bring your gear and try out pads, glove, blocker, and more. It's from noon to 4 p.m. 
the Winnipeg Goldie Extravaganza back after being kiboshed by the pandemic for a couple years. Get on down at the Iceplex, or no, sorry, the Scotiabank Hockey for All Centre, 3969 Portage Avenue. And uh, hey, we've got uh, some more CFL tonight. Uh, Blue Jays back in action, taking on the A's. Looking for a great spot to go out and watch the games and uh, have a few cold ones. How about Boston Pizza? No better place to get together with friends for the big game than your local BP. Ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And if you are staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, we will have marbles coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Pay attention to the chat during our conversation with Grant McCagg. On uh, registration, you know what to do when you see the prompt, exclamation mark marbles. Uh, But as we get ready for next week in Nashville, Winnipeg Sports Talk live all week at the draft. Let's bring in one of our favorite scouts, Grant McCagg from Recruits. Talk a little bit about the Habs that he covers and Pierre-Luc Dubois, as well as his thoughts on the first round for Wednesday. Grant, it's great to have you on the program. Uh, Ready for next week? Uh, This is a pretty exciting draft, I'd say. Yeah, I was starting to get a little uh, concerned. I hadn't heard from you guys. I was wondering if you're going to have me on this year. Cause, uh... hey, it, it's always, it is always <laughs> my favorite um, because, you know what, you, uh, of many of the scouts we have, you always have the stones to go your own way. Um, but, I mean, that's what scouts are paid to do, create opinions based on, you know, your scouting. And um, <laughs> it might be different than others, and we will get to that. But listen, uh, for folks that are not familiar with Grant, Grant, an unbelievable job. Um, you know, following the draft at recruits.ca also covers the Montreal Canadiens very closely. So before we get into the draft, Grant, I have to ask you about oh, no. your perspective on all the rumors Dubois. of Pierre-Luc Dubois and the Montreal Canadiens. And the reason why, needless to say, we've talked a ton about Dubois' future, what this means for the Winnipeg Jets, what the return can be. And Montreal has always been at the forefront of the discussions. And over the past month or so, as we've had these these chats on the show, we hear from tons of Canadians fans, both in our chat, on YouTube, on social media. And it blows me away at how split the Habs fan base is on Pierre-Luc Dubois. Some are saying, do whatever it takes to get him there right now. And there's others that, to be honest, aren't that interested in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, Give us your take on the situation with Dubois' availability. Does he make sense for the Montreal Canadiens? And at what cost? I think, well, I mean, it's been, you know, the the thought is that he's planned on signing with the Canadiens when he becomes a free agent. So I don't necessarily see the the big rush on uh you know why would you give up assets now if you it sounds like you could potentially get him for nothing other than his salary at uh you know next summer so i certainly if i'm uh kent hughes i'm playing hardball you know i'm not offering much right now um i mean if he wants to go somewhere else uh, and then sign with the Habs fine you like they can live without him for for eight months I think you know they've lived without him since his career started so what's another eight months but well a big part of the reporting right now is that Pat Brisson um you know and trying not to completely screw the Jets and also lock down and secure the bag right now before a much more 
packed and busy free agent class next year, they're looking at a sign and trade deal, which obviously helps the Jets. You know, if they're signing the player and then trading them with an eight-year contract, the value is more. And that's why we're hearing teams like the LA Kings and other teams that are interested in doing that. Um, If the cost was paying the price, you know, of a dock or, you know, packages that would be worth worth Dubois, but also signing him to an eight-year deal that will be in excess of $8 million. In your mind, does that make sense for the Montreal Canadiens right now? Well, I mean, you know, rearranging the, the, you know, the chairs on the Titanic, you know, on the deck. Like, why would you trade Doc for Dubois when he's younger and, uh, you know, was a third overall pick too? And as far as I'm concerned, has even more potential. Like, uh, Dubois uh, hasn't exactly tore it up offensively in the NHL. I mean, he's put up okay numbers but i don't see him having any more upside than you know unless you think you well you have to have a french canadian uh that that would be seem to be the only logic and that's not good logic you know as far as i'm concerned i'm just i'm not the biggest dubois fan i've never have been i don't like that he always seems to want to get out of the you know the city that he's playing in like it's always the other guy's fault not his you know i don't I'm just not completely sold on him. I mean, I saw him at the World Juniors where he didn't score a goal. You know, it seems like in the big competition when it when the, when it's important, he you don't know what Dubois you're getting. You know, he had a three goal game against uh, Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoff game, and other than that, in playoffs when he's played, I think he's been disappointing. I just don't know that he's a big game player. And uh, Montreal's got Suzuki, Doc. Uh, um, Beck coming, Kapanen, who I love, who I think is going to be an excellent top three center. Like, I think they're set down the middle, and they, they don't need them. Now, uh, and again, <laughs> if he, you know, if he's, uh, if he wants to do a sign and trade with somebody, fine. Uh, if they want to, uh, you know, they want a big price for him. I just don't think the Canadians are the right fit other than him being uh, from, from the area. And I think whenever you, that's your main reason for doing something. I think that's, uh, that's the wrong route to go. Well, and you know what, you bring a, up a great point too. I mean, with the history that Dubois had in Columbus and here, I mean, I know that it seems like his heart set on being a Montreal Canadian. We've heard that for a long time. Um, there's a special, unique kind of pressure on being a star player with the Montreal Canadiens, especially one that has gone through, like if he ended up with Montreal, I mean, that would be the end of two years of talking about this. Um, yeah. That that situation, that's a lot different than being a semi-anonymous dude in Malibu playing for the Los Angeles Kings <laughs> than, uh, you know, what would, yeah. be, uh, what would be on his shoulders as a member of the Montreal Canadiens. And I don't see him as ever being like a real, like a primary offensive guy for a team. I think he's he's a great secondary. You know, he'll be a great secondary guy. But if you're handing the ball to him and expecting him to be your uh, your primary offensive uh, player, I think you might be disappointed. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a nice piece on a good team. Uh, second line, you know, he, he could be a solid second line guy for a team, but. Yeah, the pressure. If uh, if Montreal, you know, gave up a lot of assets for him, and uh, he came in there, the pressure would be on him to, uh, you know, outproduce Suzuki, and that 
I don't think he's a better player than Suzuki. And I'm not sure that he's uh, – that Doc's not going to be better down the road. Um, I might even like Kapanen and Beckmore, <laughs> to be honest with you, as far as long-term potential. So think- it, it's not a good fit, I don't think, in Montreal, even though – uh pile of fans like you say would love to see him uh, would love to see him in the Habs uniform well it'll be an interesting few days heading into the first round but let's talk about your specialty that of course is the draft the recruits.ca draft guide is out right now uh always a must read for folks that really want to dive into uh the incoming crop of nhl talent um and grant i'm so glad to have you on the program because i don't think we've talked to a single scout or draft quote-unquote expert that has not had the same five guys in that top five. And I look at your top five, of course, Bedard's at the top, Adam Fantilli's number two, Mitch Koff's three, uh, but I don't see Leo Carlson in the top five, albeit he's right afterwards, and I don't see Will Smith in the top ten. Fill us in on uh, on your top five and um, why those two players that are pretty much consensus on a lot of other folks, when you look at mocks, always there, why don't they end up in your top five, Grant? <laughs> Were you just looking at the top ten on the front cover? Because uh, I have Smith eight. He's oh, okay. Eight. Yeah, he is in my top ten. I have a uh, top eight that I think is kind of the consensus, you know, that they're uh, – and that includes Reinbacher, Dvorsky, and Leonard, you know, along with the, the other five that uh, are always mentioned. I think, and I don't have a lot of, uh, th- uh, there's not a lot of difference between all those guys for me. Um, and I can appreciate that uh, Carlson and Smith, for a lot of people, have a little more offensive upside than uh, the Dvorsky and Leonard. But uh, I think it's regular season offensive upside. And I don't know that it's playoff offensive upside, if that if that makes sense to you. <laughs> well, you know, what? I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because we all just watch the playoffs and yeah. it's so different than the regular season. I, I'm really interested in your perspective ranking these players. How do you separate what they do? on a Wednesday night in the middle of the regular season when they're putting up big points against some team that's not that good as opposed to the way they perform at the most important time of the year against the best competition? Well, I have to say, you know, when I'm doing my final rankings, there's probably a little bit of bias there because it's right in the middle of the NHL playoffs, you know. So I'm certainly influenced to a certain degree from what I see. Like, I can't picture Will Smith He's going to have to change his game so much to uh, be a top two center playing in an NHL Stanley Cup final because I didn't see any Will Smiths out there in in either team's top six. You know, you work hard away from the puck, you play well defensively. Uh, those are two things that Will Smith at this point does not do. He's he's a cheater. Like he stands at the blue line waiting for the puck and lets Leonard and uh, Perot do all the defensive work. Not normal for a center to be, uh, you know, to not be back in the slot covering the, the opposing center. And certainly at the NHL level, it doesn't happen in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, for those reasons, uh, for sure, uh, it's why I dock both him and Carlson uh, a fair bit because Carlson, 
He's six three, but he's got a really slight frame. His frame reminds me of Nolan Patrick, and his game actually, in a lot of ways, reminds me of Patrick. He doesn't. Uh, I mean, uh, it's one of the reasons, perhaps, why he doesn't go in the corners and hit and uh, play physically and and compete away from the puck. But he's not very good defensively either. And uh, I realized that, you know, uh, on the surface, so well, you can defensive game that can always improve. But, well, yeah, but, uh, you know, Dvorsky and Leonard's offensive game can also improve. And you have to balance one or the other and the other. I see Leonard as a kind of a Sam Bennett type player. Now, Sam Bennett doesn't tear it up in the regular season, but you get to playoff time, uh, he he steps up big every playoff. And ultimately, if you're drafting in the top ten, I think I think that you you ideally want a player that down the road is going to help you in the important games, in the playoff games. Like it's one of the reasons why I dropped Shane Wright to four last year. I just uh, come playoff time, I thought he was uh, the, the the compete away from the puck was just not there at all, and it really concerned me that uh, you know is this guy going to help you win playoff games? I still don't know that, and uh, it's for that reason that I dropped him, and it's uh, for that reason that I dropped Smith and Carlson a little bit. Now, we'll see on draft day. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting when we get to pick number three where uh, Columbus goes because, in my estimation, they have Line A, Goudreau, Marchenko, and Kent Johnson as their top four wingers. And they're all, none of them are noted for their defensive play. You know, they don't really, I think they need a, a center that, that, is responsible both ways, uh, you know, with good size, good on face-offs, just good all around that complements those guys. And uh, for me, that's Dvorsky, and it's not Will Smith or Leo Carlson, who I think is going to be a winger, you know. Uh, Sweden, you know, he played um, third-line wing all all season, and then for the world championships, they plug him in at first line center, which <laughs> boggled my mind. Like, you know, he never played center all year and well, we'll stick him at center on the first line. And to me, it was a complete showcase. It was, Oh, we got to showcase him as uh, you know, he can play center. Uh, look at this, you know? And to me, he, he didn't, he didn't do the job. He, Ultimately, by the end of the of the competition, he was on the wing. He wasn't taking face-offs because he'd only won like 37% of them or something like that. Um, he wasn't he, – he was missing his assignments defensively, and uh, he ended up on the wing. So did it help him for the draft? Maybe. If, if, if teams are just kind of, you know, putting the blinders on and saying, well, we can, we can you know – we can rebuild them, you know, the $6 million man go way back. But uh, <laughs> I have concerns with both of them uh, being um, being two, top two centers, especially at playoff time. And I think Dvorsky's the consummate. He's going to be, he's going to be at worst a second line center on a, on a, uh, on a really good team. So personally, I would, I would take, Dvorsky at three and uh, 
we'll see what Columbus does on draft day. And obviously I hope that, uh, that that's the route they go. Cause then, then I look smart. Yeah. Well, and, and Yarmo, uh, Yarmo's never been, uh, never been shy to go against a conventional wisdom when it comes to, uh, to making the picks, uh, obviously Bedard's going number one, how strong of a prospect is Fantilli in your mind compared to other, like if Bedard, if he was in other drafts, would he be in the mix for the number one pick? Yeah, I think so. Um, there, you know, I, I see some, uh, some comparables to, uh, the Eichel McDavid draft to, to a certain degree, you know, uh, but Darren's going to be the, you know, he's going to probably win scoring titles and, uh, MVPs, uh, regular season MVPs and all that. But, uh, who won the, who was the first to win a Stanley cup as it turned out? You know, it was Eichel, you know, in the right situation and finally got the opportunity. He he was he was the consummate uh, playoff performer, you know, the big guy, the two-way, uh, you know, some physical play um, who ultimately uh, ended up winning the uh, championship. So while I'd take McDavid all day over Eichel, uh, and Bedard's going to be the better player than I, than uh, Fantilli, I'm sure. It, at playoff time, maybe because Fantilli, uh, he stepped up into World Juniors like he got asked to play a third line checking role there, bought in, and uh, when it got to the two important games at the end, he actually played better than Bedard in the uh, semifinals and the finals. Uh, he scored the big goal against the U.S., he was just terrific. Just because of his size, speed, and competitiveness, he stood out in the in the games that were that were tight checking and against the best teams. And I see, uh, you know, Bedard's going to get you to the playoffs every year, and Fantilli's going to help you win at, when you get there. You know, it may not be every year, but I think he'll be a fantastic. NHL playoff performer and uh, him and McTavish, that one too. Like, you know, we saw Eichel, Stone, um, Kachuk, uh, Kachuk Bennett, you know, that, that duo that with the grit and the high competitiveness that, uh, you know, was a springboard, uh, just like Shen and uh, O'Reilly, just the guys that compete all the time. Uh, I think that that duo down the road is going to uh, cause a lot of headaches at playoff time once Anaheim is good enough to uh, to get in there. You know, they've got a young defense coming that's just loaded. So it's probably two or three years away. But you always, you know, it's, you always say you're, you're two or three years away from a, from a draft pick really making an impact. And uh, uh, I really think love uh fantilli as a as a guy that's going to help you win hey speaking of uh, two or three years away um give us your thoughts on mitch Koff and the high risk but the high reward of this prospect yeah well you have to weigh one against the other you know it's a lot easier to uh say you pick them than it is to to pick them um like i i i cite uh i cite um Kaprizov a little bit where, you know, he had the three-year KHL contract or whatever. And, uh, you know, um, 
looks like he's a hundred point regular season scorer now or 90 worked out good it, for the wild <laughs> the well, was worth it did it work out good for the gm though they're on their third gm <laughs> since he was drafted um they haven't won a playoff round since you <laughs> since he was drafted you you got to be worried about your job you know and uh if you you're picking in the top 10 for a reason and and it's usually because you're not very good and you've got to get better now, if you're waiting at least three years on Michkov, there's no guarantees that, like Kaprizov, that he won't sign a second KHL contract. His father got mysteriously uh, murdered, I think, uh, safe to say. Uh, was that a signal? Was that a, you know, th- there's talk that uh, uh, his dad was trying to get his KHL contract broken. So, um you know, he shows up in a man-made uh, five-inch deep water pool, uh, you know, taking his dog for a walk. So uh, if you're Michkov, do you even, you know, the, there has to be some reservations about even coming over, I think. But, I mean, that's it's all speculation, but it's speculation the other way, too, saying that, oh, no, it can't be that. Well, we don't know. It's all like a – and, I mean, the uh, – for all we know, the way the war is going in Ukraine, they, some of these kids could end up being conscripted even, you know, into the army. Like, it's just, there's so many question marks surrounding not only him, but all of the uh, all of the picks, uh, the Russians. So um, I think that there's a really solid top five, top, you know, top eight, really, top seven. Do I use a pick in the top seven? Certainly, if I'm the Canadians at five, I'm I'm picking somebody else. Uh, so I think other teams probably feel the same way. Now, Washington, Detroit, you know, I mean, the OV factor, right? Uh, I can see those two teams. And Eisenman picked Vasilevsky and Kucherov and Nemesnikov and back when nobody was picking Russians, yeah. so... You know, and he played with the the big Russian five there back in the day and helped them win the cup and stuff. So, I think he he has a little bit more appreciation and willingness to gamble. Maybe Detroit or, or Washington looks to move up uh, to five. You know, ahead of Arizona, who may take him because they're not going to be good for three years regardless. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. They they've got more than uh, more than enough time to wait. Uh, considering uh, we'll see where they're even playing in the, the next few years. Grant McKegs with us, recruits.ca. The draft guide is available now. Get it heading into the weekend for your full draft prep prep before the big weekend uh, in Nashville. Grant, just before we go, uh, I did want to ask you about uh, a young man we saw a lot here for the dearly departed Winnipeg Ice. Uh, just give us your thoughts on Zach Benson as a prospect, and where do you think he gets picked? Oh, you can't help but love the kid. He's just a nonstop motor, you know. One of the most competitive uh, juniors that uh, I've ever scouted. Uh, You know he's going to give 100% every shift. Uh, He's so smart, skilled with the puck. Uh, You know, um, the the knock obviously is that he's uh, 5'9 and a bit and uh, not, you know, not a dynamic skater for that size. And that always hurts you a bit on draft day, unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he might go top eight. Uh, 
I'm I'm thinking it's probably going to be between nine and twelve that he goes, but that you know there's nothing wrong with that either, and it's not it's not where you get drafted, it's what you do after you get drafted. So I think this kid's going to make it like he's going to be a top six NHL forward for sure, and that he'll uh, he'll beat the odds with that. And uh, I look forward to him playing at the NHL level because I think whatever team picks him, the, he's going to be a crowd favorite for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. Grant McCagsey with us. Grant, fill people in on uh, the draft guide, where they can get it, and what they'll find out when they grab it. Well, if you follow me on uh, on Twitter, um, you'll uh, I, I have a lot of links up there, and I'll keep putting them up. Uh, and... Um, you know, you go to recruits.ca and, uh, and, um, it, there's links right there on the, on the front cover, you know, you just click on the, on the magazine picture and, uh, it'll, it'll send you right to the subscription page and 20 bucks. You get a, you get a draft guide that, uh, I probably put about 700 hours into this year. So I, I hope that, you know, I like to think that it's worth it. So. Well, hey, you you were the guy that nailed Shane Wright last year. No one could believe. What do you mean dropping down fourth? Well, where did he go? He went fourth. You were, uh, I can't wait to see, uh, you know, what you have here compared to what happens because uh, you certainly nailed it last year. Grant, enjoy the draft next week. Thanks very much for doing this. And uh, maybe once we find out what happens with PLD, we'll get you on for some reaction from a Montreal standpoint. Thanks for doing this, pal. Jaeger, Jaeger to Winnipeg. That's that's what I've got in the mock draft, by the way. Brandon Yeager going to uh, the Jets. So He's what, Moose Jaw? Yeah, so not too far away. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, great stuff with uh, Grant McCagg. Uh, check out recruits.ca if you want more uh, on the upcoming draft. Always got a great draft grad and... Uh, uh, yeah, great, great interview. Lots of interesting stuff uh, coming from Grant. And I, the one thing I love about Grant is that he is not afraid to go a very different way. I wish I'd listened to him last year and bet Shane Wright to go fourth overall when he was the clear-cut number one favorite to go at one. Um, would have made quite a bit of scratch over at Cool Bet. We'll get to the Cool Bet lines in a minute. By the way, we I think you probably know this already, but if you haven't been paying attention... Marble registration is open for a couple more minutes. Exclamation mark marbles. Get them in there and we'll do the marbles coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, hey, a big shout out to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. You know what Saturday means all summer long. What's golden? They're a pop-up with new food and new GJs teaming up with the kitchen from Shorty's. Uh, it gets going tomorrow at noon right up until sunset with amazing food. The best beer around, DJ's Entertainment, Little Brown Jug Patio. Uh, of course, down at the Brewery and Tap Room on William Avenue. And hey, if you're at the Gold Eyes Games on the weekend, make sure to check out what LBJ's got over at Craft Beer Corner. And of course, Generic Lager, along with 1919, available throughout the ballpark. Um, I do want to give a big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. I'm already counting down the dates to get out there for uh, what's always my favorite three, four days of the year. Uh, if you are looking for a world-class fly-in fishing experience where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is it. 
world-class fishing, and there truly is nothing like the hospitality of the Aikens experience. Find out more online at AikensLake.com or uh, hit our friend Tarrant up on Twitter at AikensLake for more information. Uh, let's do a quick Breezy Bend golf report. It's the Travelers this weekend getting into round two today. And uh, Danny McCarthy followed up his 60 yesterday, one off the uh, legendary 59 with a 65 today. He is 15 under par and four strokes clear of Eric Cole and Keegan Bradley. Zach Blair and Adam Scott at 10 under par. Uh, ooh, my guy Minwoo Lee is up to nine under. He's playing 15 right now. Had a little sprinkle on him in the lock shop this week. And Rory McIlroy, eight under par after that ace yesterday. Top Canadian on the board, Corey Connors, who is eight under par in a tie for 10th. Uh, if you're looking for a great long-term home for you and your family on the golf course, check out breezybend.ca and give our pal Corey Johnson a call for more information about getting on the waiting list for the 2024 season over at Breezy Bend. And, of course, before we get to, don't forget, live racing returns to Assiniboia Downs on Monday. Um, if you do use HPI Bet like we do to uh, bet on the races um, remotely, uh, you can certainly uh, bet on races all around North America over the course of the weekend. But uh, there's nothing like being at the Ponies. 7.30 post time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Back at it next week at Assiniboia Downs. All right, last call for marbles. And uh, before we close it off, let's get over to the Cool Bet lines. And uh, Remo, we've got an interesting matchup tonight in the Canadian Football League. It's going to be Matt Schiltz who's going to start for the Ticats in their home opener. Hamilton, two and a half point favorites against the Montreal Alouettes. And I guess the news just coming over the wire over the last little bit is BLM, Bo Levi Mitchell, has been officially put on the six-game list by the Ticats. Yeah, I actually think that's good news for the Ticats because Bo Levi, he didn't look good. And as someone who had Tim White in fantasy last week, I was actually happy that uh, Matt Schultz came in. I mean, it felt bad for Bo. Uh, they get hurt. You don't want to see that. But I know Tim White came in and actually uh, had some put up some numbers with Schultz. So I'm interested to, to see how that goes. But that's a tough break for Hamilton uh, with Bo. And uh, I'll be tuned into that one tonight. Montreal with uh, Fajardo. So Schultz, the former Al's quarterback, uh, playing against his former team. Yeah, uh, line is a drop from three and a half to three for the Stamps Rough Rider game on Saturday. And the Elks... Looking for that elusive home win for the first time since 2019. They've got the Grey Cup champion Argos. Argos six and a half point favorites on the road. We did put together a little lock shop partner parlay for these three games on the weekend. And uh, we're taking the points. I still think that Edmonton can be competitive in this game and maybe even win. No. Maybe I'll look dumb. I I'm dead serious. Sorry, no. I'm no. I Listen, uh, well, no, I'm, I'm taking them plus six and a half. No, uh, I'm taking the Rough Riders plus three and a half, and we got Montreal up to three and a half as well. So uh, the underdogs plus three and a half for Alouettes and Rough Riders, Edmonton Elks plus six and a half. That's at plus five fifty over in the exclusive sections for the Lock Shop Partner Parlay. Meanwhile, Jays at home tonight against the Oakland Athletics, who were back to their losing ways. They had that hot streak where they won seven or eight in a row. They've lost eight in a row again. And uh, the Jays 
on the run line, minus two and a half or plus 102. Bassett on the hill tonight. Jays on a money line bet, minus 303. Um, and just we just finished up talking with Grant about the NHL draft. Tons of NHL draft options, including who will be the second pick, third pick, fourth pick, fifth pick, and over-unders on a whole bunch of individuals um, you know, uh, where you're picking either in the top, for instance, Zach Benson right now, still eight and a half is the number, plus 200 to go in the first eight, minus 278 on the others. Check out the NFL, the NHL draft options over at CoolBet. And don't forget, next show we've got Monday, we're going to be coming to you live from Music City, Nashville, WST at the NHL draft, brought to you by our great partners over at CoolBet. All right, Remo, one more thing to do before we uh, get ready to pack mm-hmm. the bags and head south, and uh, that, of course, is a Friday marble race. Oh, I got to pick the theme. We I'll close up the thing. I did want to clarify one thing. A lot of uh, comments about Grant's appearance in chat, loving his strong opinions on things. Just to clarify about Matt Vemichkov's father passed away at 51. Same. What? Yeah, just that's the craziest story. Yeah, so his death came under unexplained circumstances, was reported missing uh, with an emergency alert, and he what he told he left his home, told his son he would be right back, and then he was found in a pond near Sochi where Mitchkov played the second half of the season. So just wanted to clarify what the reports what the reports were on that one. But uh, interesting, you know, a lot of response here saying he'd pick uh, Jaeger uh, for the Jets. At 18, and we'll be, you know, we'll be there in Nashville waiting to see who the first pick is and welcome into the prospect pool along with uh, Rutger, McCrory, Brad Lambert, Chaz Lucius. Actually, Hus, speaking of the Jets, they put out this, I don't know if you noticed this, but show it to Krug in chat. Um, the Jets put out a video highlighting some of their past picks featured in it. Josh Morrissey, Kyle Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers omitted their first ever uh you know, draft pick as an organization in this highlight, the uh, quick highlight video. Interesting. I don't know. Mark Shifley. This is what we're tuned into. Who are the Jets using in marketing materials this summer? Well, no kidding. I mean, <laughs> I, although that is, I mean, considering he was the first ever pick, it, it, it is a very notable omission. I mean, listen, I can understand that they didn't put Line A in there because they don't want people focusing on the fact that they traded away the guy. They you know, somehow won the lottery and got the second overall pick, and now we're dealing with this Pierre-Luc Dubois drama 24-7. Um, but that Shifley omission, I mean, I think it's more than nothing. I'll say that much. But, I mean, listen, we've spent plenty of time. I think people are pretty clear on where that situation stands right now. Um, and speaking of that first round of the pick, I mean, hell, by the time we get on the air from Nashville on Monday or Tuesday, the Jets could have more than one pick in the first round, depending on what happens with this Pierre-Luc Dubois and Connor Hellebuck situation. And, of course, I guess still the potential of Mark Shifley being on the move mm-hmm. before the picks hey. are made on Wednesday as well. Doug Phil says they couldn't use the video of Shifley getting drafted because he wasn't actually drafted in a Jets uniform. He had to put on the NHL jersey. <laughs> Uh, don't worry. They, they they could still use that if they no, wanted I'm, to, and they have done it a million times before. I, I'm just kidding around. I just like referencing that he had to put on this logo jersey, which we asked him on the old station 
where it is and it's in his parents closet and i said that it should be in like a sports a manitoba sports hall of fame it should be on yeah, display hockey hall Jets, of fame. yeah it should be on display somewhere uh i don't know if shafley would donate it anywhere or well, put it or this way if things out. had gone a little differently um if paul maurice's uh, prediction that they would be erecting a statue of Shifley outside of the rink came to fruition because of all the great success that he and the team had had. Uh, I imagine that would end up in some sort of Hall of Fame. Um, but the fact of the matter is that is a pretty wild and interesting Winnipeg heirloom, regardless of what happens with Shife uh, going oh. forward. All right, close it up um, if you haven't already. And let's get uh, let's get ready to go for the marbles. One thing I haven't talked about is last night's NBA draft. Um, there was no suspense whatsoever with Victor Wembayana going to the San Antonio Spurs. However, I think what most people are talking about was the Raptors selection of Grady Dick out of Kansas. <laughs> um, if you missed yesterday, this was a throwback. Uh, a throwback. And the, the, the NBA draft is always hilarious for the suits and attire that you know many of the players wear. Well, Grady Dick wore a, uh, it, it looked like it was a bedazzled red coat that was an absolute showstopper. Um, you know, he's a part of a new generation of young kids. Uh, has done a lot of TikToks, a lot of social media stuff. There's a very interesting video of his. Yes, here here is the, <laughs> if you're watching with us on YouTube right now. There is that uh, there is that jacket that will live in infamy for a long time, um, and he's also got his own GD logo that he was wearing around the neck on uh, on his chain. Um, but apparently, he was the best shooter in the draft, uh, and uh, the Raptors got him at thirteen. Uh, he's already pretty fired up to be a Raptor right now, and uh, I think kind of an interesting shot of energy into the franchise after a tough season for the Raptors. Um, but of course, Wimbanyana goes number one to the Spurs, and uh, Grady Dick, the newest member of the Raptors, and um, I'm sure we'll be seeing quite a bit of him on social media before he eventually mm -hmm. gets to the uh, the uh, the big smoke to uh, be the newest member of the Dinos. That jacket looks like something from an MC Hammer video in 1990. Did you see what Wimbanyana was wearing? No, I didn't see. I was watching. I was watching so Palmer. So he got his, his, he went up, and I mean, this is the seven foot five uh, dude from France, and we all know France has some special fashion sense. His suit, it was a combination of a suit and a judo gi. What? Okay, let me, yeah. Let me put this up. Yeah, yeah. Get, get the picture of Wembanyana up. That is, that is my description, and I, and I will stand by it. I think it's a pretty good description. A combination, if you combined a regular suit, with a judo gi, you would end up with Victor Wembanyama's draft outfit from last night when he went first overall. I can't. Let me find it. I gotta. Am I spelling it right? Wembanyana. Uh, Wembanyana. I think. Surprise! Yeah. It won't just come up. Let me check. Wemben yeah, oh Yama. Okay, that's why I can't. There you go. Yeah, the kid, the Isha boy Bruce talking about Grady Dick. The kid's TikTok is lit. He's got moves. He, uh, he certainly does. I think he'll be a he'll be a favorite. Oh, Theo Seegers, Gila Douche. Shout out to my all time favorite show, the most extreme 
elimination challenge. Uh, all right, people can find the Wembenyana picture on the uh, on the web if they uh, if they haven't. Uh, you can let me know at Hustleram on Twitter if I nailed it. The suit judo gi combo for a description of it. Um, uh, we got some little Tristan Rivers for us, uh, Remo, before we drop these marbles. Yeah, I gotta pick the thing. Oh, is this is it? Is this the suit? It's okay. Let's see. Oh, the custom it's like green. Yeah, it's a Louis Vuitton suit. Well, as I said, is it a suit? Is it a? Is it okay? So yeah, you can't really see it, but yes, it goes all the way around, and it's got the tie, like the judo gi. Here he's going up. He's got the tie. Look pretty good. And he said that guy is the best prospect in the history of the NBA, and maybe the best prospect in North American pro sports going in. So uh, a lot on this young man's shoulders as he goes to San Antonio to uh, work with Pop and uh, get uh, get into it. Um, all right, great necklace as well. Okay, we don't really need to spend Better this prospect much time. than Connor Bedard? Yes, which says something. Whoa. Better than Connor McDavid? Apparently. Trickster I mean, I'm no, says best since I, LeBron James. Like, LeBron James was... Like, unbelievable how he lived up to all of the hype that was for LeBron no when kidding. he was drafted. It's actually crazy because a lot of people are hyped up a lot, but he shockingly, well, like, exceeded. This guy's the next one. We'll see what happens to him. If he can have it even uh, close to his greatest career as uh, LeBron, the Spurs will be in good shape with their pick. Uh, all right, let's do this. Marbles time before we uh, hit the road to Nashville. Where are we going? Oh, yeah, let me get all the names in. I got to pick a thing. Do you want to add any additional marbles? People want. Uh, uh, let's give Grant. Let's give Grant a marble. Okay, Grant. That's a Westy. Westy gets a marble. Yeah. We'll I guess give... we'll give Billick one too. Okay. Got Billick. We want to give Blake Wheeler a marble. Yeah. Let's give Wheeler a marble. This could be our last chance as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. By the time we do the show next week, it could be. Uh, mm -hmm. That could be in the PLD. Do you see PLD was at the Montreal like uh, what's their soccer team name with uh, David Savard. He's posted it on Instagram. No, I no, I didn't see that. Didn't yeah, see that. people are just sending us uh, updates here on what he's up to. Wow. What about? I wanted. To, I don't know if I'll give one, but I was following. The, I don't know if you followed this. The that Titan, the submersible that went down to the Titanic that imploded. The submarine, yeah. Were you following that uh, that story? Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew that they were running out of air and they didn't know where they were. And then they found out that it had, uh, I mean, listen, I, there's a lot of people that are making, you know, making a lot of jokes about it. I mean, five people died. So I try not to try not to spend too much time uh, making uh, jokes at the expense of people that just lost their lives. But um, it seemed like uh, I can't believe that that was uh, allowed to happen. Um, Pretty much. Yeah, well, I don't know if I paid 250k and hopped in a tin can that was controlled by a PS4 controller. I think I'd have second thoughts. Yeah, it, listen, you wouldn't be getting me in there in in, in that. Um, but anyways, it, it is really sad. I mean, if they ended up being saved, I think people could say, what the hell were they thinking? And they should have to pay for the rescue costs. But listen, five people died. So anyways, that's not, not a very fun topic to talk no, about. No, sorry. Yeah. Yes. As we get into this. Okay, let's get okay. let's lighten the mood with Tristan Rivers oh, and some freaking marbles on Friday. Let's go. Yeah, okay. Let's do this. Let me pick a theme song. Uh, I'll do this one. It's Friday. Another week of words come by. It is early. 
All right. This has been a uh, a great week on WST. Next week will be uh, an even better one because we're going to be down in Nashville. WST at the draft brought to you by our friends at CoolBet starting on Monday. One more thing to do, Reem, and that is have a marble race. Uh, where, where are we going today? Do we have our... Who's in charge of the uh, the tracks again? MC Stormy. New track. MC Stormy wants a new track. I'm always down for a new track, if there are any. Let me just add it in. Marble Mill? Have you done that one? I'm not sure. Or- Some someone commented that you want to end the end the show, get to the weekend, and I keep I keep rambling. So I apologize. <laughs> well, I definitely want to get to the marbles. Uh What's Castle Siege? What's Castle Siege? Do we know what that is? 212 marbles in here today. Let's uh, let's check it out. Right, and again, for these new ones, we do reserve the right to abort early if it looks like it's not a good one. But as I say, I think we can uh, we can take a chance on a new track today. What's this? I don't know. Castle Siege. What do you think? It's got a big plinko start. Let's do it. I'm always down with the Plinko start. 212 marbles in. Hoodies. Shout out to Shipman Associates, our friends, uh, for uh, providing the hoodies. Our version of the Masters green jacket. So, yeah, over 200 marbles. Great week so far. But, again, the mar- the week isn't done on WST mm. until our Friday marble okay, race. I'm, I'm aborting this one. I'm aborting. Why? I aborted. I don't know if this is the one. Take a look. I'm not comfortable with that one. You want oh, me to do yeah. Castle Siege? <laughs> Wasn't that the one we were just doing? Yeah, I didn't think it was good. You want me to do one? Well, I don't know. All, all I saw was the Plinko start. I, I have no, I I, take I have a no guess. opinion either way. Fine, fine. We'll take a look real quick. <laughs> if it goes down into some... The, the Plinko starts have often been good, though. It, it's got a cool name. Hey, take a look. All right, you want to do this one? Yeah, for sure. Oh, no, this one's just straight. We've done this one. It's just straight. It's just straight. I remember this one. Okay. It's literally okay, a straight line. Listen, Remo has control. I'm, I, I'm, if it's just straight it's, after that, I remember that's not this good one. enough. We, we have a high level a high level of expectations for these, for these tracks. Um, okay, then i got to pick another one. Uh, <laughs> we did the f- twisted toothpick. I don't know if we've done that one. What's the raging pin? The gauntlet? What do we got here? Okay, MC Stormy says, I don't like Haunted Hills. I don't remember Haunted Hills. Is that one? He says Haunted Hills. 54? Should we check it out? Or should we do should we Space Station? I, I, I'm done with Haunted Hills, if it's good. Have we, have we seen this one before? I'm almost going to take Stormy's word for it. He's uh, done a lot of research on uh, he, all of these tracks. He seems to know. All right, here we go. Starting- oh, I do like these starts. I do like these starts. Okay, right. All right, everyone. Okay, this is it for our uh, hoodie from our friends at Shipman Associates, the WST hoodie original. Here we go. Into the cauldron in the... Haunted Hills. Laurent Gratton with a nice start, but uh, this one looks very, very tight. Laurent Gratton and Chris P. Rob Somerville. There's Mean Gene Okerlund with a nice start so far. 
Who do we got above the rest? Ambient audio. Dark Moon's in the mix. Rob Somerville. And Jay Miller. What is this? This is just like a bunch of straight lines here. Well, we will see. Oh, Greg M. Wait. Did you find a shortcut? Let's see. It doesn't seem to be out yet. Is Greg M in yeah, first? He's, no, he's Greg out. M is is over the top rope. All right, Shane Mason is now. Oh, here we go. Everyone's getting thrown up. Shane Mason just got thrown over the top rope. Ambient audio, Todd Johnson and Dark Moon. One, two, three right now. There is the end. Now, how do people get there? They're in this house. We see, yes, in the haunted yeah, house. Yeah, we've done Who this one. First. Mean Gene. Well, it's going to be close. I'll tell you that much. And I always like the close finishes. Well, they're going back the other way right now. Holy smoly. Everyone, this is a very, very packed, <laughs> very tight. Okay. Ambient audio, JMO, Sarah Mays in the mix. Todd Johnson's right in the middle. Ambient audio just got, just got slowed down. Who's going to come out? Who will be the first one to make it out of the inside of this seemingly haunted house in the haunted hills? I really can't tell who's in first right now. Oh, it looks like ambient audio and dark moon coming in. Ambient audio again is the first, but again, it's so dark in there. We cannot really see where they are going to, but oh, I think they're coming out relatively soon. You can see the bin. Who will be able to get out first? Ambient audio, Dark Moon. This is a very more, much more difficult difficult one to call. It looks like it's going to be Dark Moon. Is it? Dark Moon. Dark Moon with the win. Ambient audio, Rob Wright, Randy D, Shane Badger, The Doctor, Mike Clausen, <laughs> Laurent Gratton, Rob Pepper, and D20. A mediocre track. As, not, uh, as, as not, pretty terrible. not one of our better ones. Not one of our better <laughs> ones. However, it was very tight, um, but it's probably going down. On our power pull of top tracks, not really cracking the top. I should have aborted. Sure. I should have aborted from the beginning. Keith S., Phyllis, and holy smoly. Dark Moon's the winner. Well done, Dark Moon. Send us an email. We'll get you hooked up. Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. Uh, Friday night, we got CFL on TV. We got Sea Bears down at the rink. We got the Gold Eyes down at the ballpark. Gold Eyes at home all weekend long. And um, we got some work to do because uh, we're taking the show on the road. Folks, please let your friends know. Uh, by the way, if you can, give us a thumbs up as well. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. And join us on Monday, 1 o'clock, as we uh, come to you live from Nashville to kick off NHL Draft Week presented by CoolBet. Remo, are you ready for all the okay. things that you need to do over the course of the next uh, 36 hours or 48 hours before we roll? Should we do it a quick redo track? Us people want to redo. Do a short one for a redo. I'll give it. I'll throw a T-shirt in. We won't do a hoodie. Um, Everyone's saying the track sucked, and I am ready. Uh, okay, I mean the track did sort of. Suck. It was pretty bad. I don't know. If, I don't know if I can go into the weekend after that. I'm feeling anxiety now. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll throw in a t-shirt. I don't I'll throw a I'll throw in some stuff. I don't have to do a hoodie. Hustler pay Remo OT to pre-scout tracks. Yeah. It, it would be better if we 
we're a little more ready for the, making these track decisions than live in the middle of the stream. But um, we can do it. It's everyone set there. Remus is handling this prize. This is an additional race. I'll do a fun it. race. We've got Contact it. Contact we'll me. Yeah. Up. Okay. Same thing. I've got the hoodies, though. The twisted toothpick? Yeah. Should I do the twisted toothpick? Contact me. I'll hook you up with the prize. Sure. I see every. I look. I can't go into the weekend after that kind of track. Yeah, exactly. It was. Uh, it wasn't up to our normal standard. It, yeah, it just didn't have it. So is this one good? Well, I guess this one looks good. Out. Although, is this the one Tristan Rivers hit that crazy shortcut on? Oh no, that that one was the craziest. I know anyone that's still hanging around is just here because they're really into our Marvel stream. So <laughs> yeah, I think we can pull it off. And you don't All have right. to put your name in again. There, this is a this is a track, okay? This yeah, here we go. Little loop de loop. Couple other big moves. Les Thompson and Lori loving life. Les, thanks again for that super chat. We uh, greatly appreciate it. Oh yeah, here we go. Reminds me of the old roller coasters like Bush Gardens back in Florida. Okay, this is uh, it's anyone's race yeah. right now. Who? Oh, who? Jennifer Berthelat. Nice work, Jen. I think that's property Jen on Twitter. Nicely on. Oh, somebody just got bounced. Chris Fadoon. Jen still looking very good on this. Oh, somebody just got. Was that Tikona Polly? They're in this tornado. Ah, yes. Now, who gets out first? Oh, somebody just got bounced over Z top rope. Running man. Oh, a few more casualties. Actually, yeah, this is a pretty good track. Yeah, we got to put this on the list. This is a sick track. Okay. Davy C. Oh! Like, oh, no! <laughs> Timmy Two Shoes. Kyle. All caps, Kyle. Out. Timmy Two Shoes with the win. <laughs> Okay, you know what? This is a good one. This is a good one. Okay. Remember this. What was this one? Toothpick. Twisted Alley? toothpick. Twisted toothpick. That was a sick track. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> FR and DC. You guys will. You think you're a... Oh, Travis. Good luck in Nashville. Right on. Thanks, guys. I'm glad you guys were entertained as we uh, as we, <laughs> we got through an extra Marvel race. Yeah, this one's definitely on the list in the future. Timmy Toothpick, you can send an email as well. Remus will hook you up with something. Dark Moon, your your victory does still count. Uh, send us an email. We'll probably need to hook up with you when we get back from Nashville coming up next weekend. Um, real fun show today. Still can't believe that football game last night, but the Bombers will rebound. We will rebound as a uh, as a fan base and not overreact because the standard and the bar has been set so so high um i guess there's always a chance something happens over the course of the weekend when it comes to dubois or hellebuck uh, make sure to turn your notifications on because uh, if that happens good chance we might do an impromptu stream or at least fire out some content on it and have the notifications on anyways because we'll have a whole bunch of stuff coming throughout the week from nashville when we get going with the live show on monday right through the end of the seventh round on thursday night Thanks again to all of our sponsors. 
for making this happen. Especially cool bet for making uh, the uh, the week happen next week in Nashville. Uh, big thanks to Grant McCagg, Scott Billick. Great to have Westy back on the program. And most of all, all of you for making us a part of your day. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have an awesome weekend. And we'll talk to you Monday from Music City at the NHL Draft. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.